and welcome back once again to the podcast that invites devils past, present, and sometimes future uh, behind the bench to talk about their amazing career. And we have another doozy today with devils legend Vezio Sacratini, who's going to join us and talk about his early career and, of course, lots and lots of devils stories. I'm Gareth Hewish, and delighted to be joined, as always, by Mr. John Donovan. Good evening, guys, and, and just say, um, for, for, for the viewers and everyone tuning in, we've had to cut out the main story about Franny that, that, that Vez told, but uh, if you want to see us in the bar when, when hockey's back on, we will tell that story. <laughs> Maybe a live event, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we're joined by the newest member of... Uh, behind the bench team and you would have seen his excellent work on uh, the audio podcast and especially in the video presentation it's producer hubs hubs how are you sir good really really good really enjoyed helping them the last one and as john says what a story from bez in in this one as well we've had to cut out but come and find <laughs> us in the bar all money will go to charity <laughs> uh, the man is looking very nervous now mr neil francis franny how are you yeah, good. Thanks. Um, it was uh, just reflecting on on last week the uh, the Scaldi interview. Um, I've listened to it a couple of times myself, and uh, Todd messaged me this morning. Actually, goes, I just listened to it again. I just wanted to hear the stories again. Uh, <laughs> what what a great uh, comeback that was uh, with the Scaldi one. Big big thanks to him to, to doing it and to be be so open. Um, and after it, um, he messaged me to say where did you find that goal? I haven't seen that in, in like 20 years or something. And I said, that's producer hubs. That's what he brings. But uh, yeah, legitimately scouts haven't seen his first goal in a long time. And uh, yeah, he's now got the clip. So uh, that, that brought a smile to his face. And for those of you, for those of you that haven't watched the, uh, the video yet on YouTube, go and have a look at it because that goal is the most bizarre goal that you will see <laughs> considering the lineup that he is out against is the game-winning goal against the New York Islanders. You got the lineup of Mike Richter in goal. You got Brian Leach. I think it was Bukaboom, the other D partner, Adam Graves, Mark Messier. And there's one other I'm forgetting, but it's probably one of the top lines in the NHL at that time. And it's like a comedy sketch. <laughs> where I think I think at one time there's like four guys, three off uh, New York, one off New Jersey on the ice at uh, one moment. It's 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 the most bizarre goal. What a way to get your first in the NHL. Indeed, you can go and see that on the YouTube presentation of last week's episode. Just search for Behind the Bench with Neil Francis. It'll be the latest video. And uh, you never know what little Easter eggs we can try and put in our YouTube videos. So... It's always an option to listen to the episodes there. Guys, very excited about the interview that we've just got coming up. This is uh, a bona fide devil's legend, someone who will be remembered forever and ever in uh, not just Cardiff ice hockey circles, but he was the bane of a lot of opposition teams as well. That's your Sacratini, one of the biggest personalities that we've ever had. And just a little health warning before we go into the main interview. Uh, Vezio, being uh, Italian-Canadian, is quite a couple of F-bombs. So if you're not <laughs> into that kind of thing, uh, just, just to warn you, there's quite a few. 
yes, probably the, our most uh, potty mouth episode that we've had, which is quite an achievement given some of the guests that we've had <laughs> on you. But yes, there is some choice language, but uh, for me, it did make the story okay. better. <laughs> so we're going to rush right into this then. This is our chat with Betsy Osakatine. And we are delighted to be joined by Cardiff Devils legend, Betsio Sacratini. Fez, how are you doing? I'm doing good, bud. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely delighted to have you on. I know we've been trying to get this in the, the calendar uh, uh, for a few months now. And let's uh, tell everyone, where, where are you at the moment? So I'm back, back in Montreal now. I've been back since I uh, got back in 07. And um, we've been we've been back in Montreal now for what, almost 13 years now. It's crazy. Time flies. Uh, working working a regular job in the electronics industry and uh, sales rep and doing a lot of hockey stuff. So still on the ice with the kids and stuff. So can you still do a fair amount of chirping in the electronics industry? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of chirping. <laughs> I tell you one thing: hockey hockey always relates to any any work world. I've always said that, and you know, going into sales and stuff. Uh, all, all the experience of hockey and stuff, it, it opens a lot of doors for you because everybody here is a hockey fan and <laughs> it, it makes for good stories. Well, we'll try and get as many good stories out of you tonight as we can. Um, and we're going to go straight back uh, to the beginning. Uh, where, um, where was your junior hockey played? Your, your professional CV starts in the NCAA, but before yeah. that, where was your, uh, where was your junior career? So I, did, I played my whole career in, in my hometown, LaSalle. So from like squirts all the way to junior. And then uh, in junior, we played, uh, I played in my hometown for uh, three years. Uh, and, and funny enough, I think Franny knows this story, but I was a defenseman my whole life till junior. And my dad being from, a, from coming off the boat and have a clue about ice hockey, he got to the rink and he's going, there's nine forwards and there's only four D. Go, you play D, you play more. So <laughs> and, then I, and then I got to junior and, uh, my first year junior, the coach looks at me and goes, you know what, you've got a lot of skill and maybe a little bit small, we might want to go up front. So I said, I'll give it a go. And uh, next thing you know, uh, I'm getting letters to go to university in the States and uh, end up getting a scholarship to go to the States. So, but yeah, so I play all my hockey in my hometown. So Vez, your, your dad wasn't like second generation or anything. He, he, he was Italian. Well, well, he, that's why I got my passport like right away is because my dad was still Italian when he came here. He hadn't okay. even by the time I was born. So both my parents... It's fun, odd enough, my parents are both from Italy and they met here. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So what, what part of Italy was, was, was your dad from? Where's your dad from? Uh, my dad's from Rome, like probably yeah. Uh, yeah, the center of Rome, and my mom's from Naples. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool being over there. I got to see some of the family and stuff after the season and stuff, so it was pretty, it was pretty neat. So growing up, were you were you speaking Italian in the house or was it, was it English? What, what, <laughs> what, what, what was the Italian influence? So I, I, I grew up with, uh, with my grandmother in the house. My dad immigrated with his mom. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was funny because uh, I just, my dad, my parents came early, so they ended up speaking English to us. We didn't speak a lot of Italian, but I had to speak Italian to my grandmother. Yeah. So if you had to make a story, you made up a word, you just put an E on the end or an accent on the end. And <laughs> until, until I went to Italy. And my yeah. friend, the, the journalist comes up to me, it was a girl learned, uh, interviewing me, and she goes, do you, uh, do you speak Italian? I go, yeah, 100%. So, <laughs> I said, yeah, we'll do, do the interview in Italian. And I don't think she laughs. I, I don't know, she laughs so hard. And at the end, she goes, we'll never do that again, because I didn't understand 
heard you say. <laughs> I learned fast enough, uh, Johnny, that I didn't. I didn't learn. How to, I didn't know how to speak any Italian. Fair enough. That's cool. And uh, did you? Did you? Was your grandmother typical Italian, where she uh, cooked all the food for the family and had a few of uh, secret recipes? Granny, I had everybody, all my Irish buddies, everybody eating at the house every night, whether I was. <laughs> And, and I got a great story about my grandmother. I got to share with you guys is that I get my sticks uh, going to play in Italy. I get my sticks. They're all from Sherwood. I'm, I'm that old that they're still all wood. Yes. Uh, I come home one day. I go in the garage to get my sticks. I'm, I'm going to to go back to Italy. And there's no more sticks. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, so I go look out in the garden. And, and my, she sawed off all the sticks. And she goes, these wood sticks are perfect. They're, they're dead straight for plants so it's like all sacatinis <laughs> in the garden brand new sticks <laughs> she put a better use than i did <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know if you remember franny so my uh just because you guys brought it up my, my grandma passed away when we went to the finals there when we played sheffield in the playoffs oh man i don't know if you remember that franny so remember when the playoffs we ended up playing sheffield yeah now you mention it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so my grandmother passed away probably about, I think it was two or three days before that. My dad didn't want me to come home, wanted me to play. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty, uh, pretty touching. She was, yeah. she was a big part of her life. She was like a second mom to me, you know, so. So is it quite a strict upbringing then, Vez? Because, you know, I'm, I, I come, you know, second generation Irish, Irish Catholic type family and, and it's pretty strict sometimes. Was it a strict upbringing? What, what, what was, what was home life like? Uh, not, not at all. Apart, my sister won't say the same thing. Pretty strict for her, but for me, it was pretty. I tell you, dad with the daughter, I don't know about that stuff. So. <laughs> but did you manage to get much hockey on when you when you grew up in the house? You said you, your father wasn't as familiar with it, but you must have had a love for it when you started playing. We uh, spoke to Jared Scaldi last week about hockey night in Canada being the go-to on a Saturday. Was that the same for you? A hundred percent. Yeah. My dad, my dad came over and my dad was, I got to give it to him. He was outgoing. He was a sporty guy. He's like, you know what? Everybody's playing hockey. You're playing hockey. I played every, every sport under the book. Like uh, that's one thing that was great when we we're younger. Now it's a lot different here. It's like, it was seasonal. You played hockey when hockey ended, you played soccer, you played baseball, you played golf. And now it's, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. Even my son now, it's like, everything's year round. Like if you don't play hockey year round, you're behind eight ball or soccer. So the kids don't don't get that uh, that challenge of different sports and different mentality, different coaching and stuff. And I, I think it plays a factor at the end. I think all the athletes, all the good athletes, are guys that play two, three sports. I think their coordination's better, and I think all from different coaching, different me me the mental side of it too, and all that. So, but uh, yeah, my dad was great. Like he learned how to skate at at 37 years old, just so that he come <laughs> to me and stuff. Like. Uh, and the only thing he instilled in me, and it's, he says, listen, at the end of it, I can't tell you what's going on. He goes, I just want you to be the hardest working guy in the ice. And so, I mean, that, that's what he brought to the table. But he, he brought me to every rink. My parents were unbelievable, that aspect. So. And you then get a scholarship to an American international college, Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, you know, you, you're from an Italian household. You lived in Canada. Now you're in Springfield, Mass., yeah, tell us about what that change was like for you. It was it was drastic because it was like uh, growing up in Canada, we didn't really have that uh, that mentality of school and hockey. Everything here is city run, and and then when you get into the mentality of the states, uh, you get there. And I remember my parents driving me up to the school, and I get to my dorm, and I'm like, I put all my stuff away, 
and I got four white walls and one window on the fourth floor and my parents drive off and I'm going, where the hell am I? Like, <laughs> then, I then I get a, a, a knock at the door like two in the morning and it's my roommate, guy from Jersey. And he goes, you want to help me unpack? And I go, unpack? I go, what do you got, a suitcase? Like I had two suitcases. Like so I go down to this Jersey kid. He's got a rug. He's got TVs. He's got ovens. He's got... I'm like, oh my God, call my parents. I go, guys, I need some stuff up here. <laughs> like, I, got, I got out of the room boys and it was like there was 20 guys 20 hockey players living on the same floor and it just it just it was unbelievable experience from there it was unbelievable like the schooling part of it and the sport part of it and like I just 30 years later I just had a zoom call the other night with 15 guys that we played together we won a championship in 90 and uh, we're still like tight and we still see each other once a year and we still have that bond and like you you know Fran you've been involved in the sport you know you win with a team and stuff and you guys are kind of bonded forever. And, and especially in that, that, in that school environment, where you spend so much time together, you spend three, four years together, you make some pretty cool connections and stuff. What did you major in, Vez? You know, and was, was, was school, was it, was it hockey first and then school? Or, or, or were the parents pretty strict that school had to come first? No, my, my dad was a school had to come first and stuff. And, and it's funny because I graduated MIS, Management Information Systems. So I used to write software like COBOL and stuff. It doesn't even exist. Because <laughs> when I retired, I got an interview. First time I ever did an interview at 42 years old. And the girl asked me, she goes, do you have your degree? I go, degree? I go, graduated like, like 30 years ago. <laughs> I can't even turn a computer on now. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that piece of paper works. She goes, you can't, we can't interview if you're not. So, you know, it paid dividends at the end. Excellent. And, and, you know, you say going away from home and for the first time, four white walls in Springfield. I don't I remember, I think, reading something years ago about coming over. You said coming over on the plane to Europe the first time you, you felt pretty sick and, and homesick. So was that the same in, in college as well? I, I guess from an Italian family, you guys are pretty close. Was, you know, that, that separation from the family, was that always hard for you to deal with? Yeah, it was different. It was different to be a giant, like being away from home for the first time and stuff. But and uh, but it is as soon as I met all the guys on the floor there and it, and it kind of just disappeared after about two, three days of meeting all the guys and, and you get that bond right away. It's not like you're going to school and you got to make friends like you're on a team. So right away you got 20 guys or your best friends. And, and you know what? So it's it, it makes for a great environment. So. Biz, what would you say was the biggest thing you learned hockey wise uh, moving into the NCAA? Uh, about dedication, about uh work work ethic commitment about planning your days and, and all that like you had to make sure that your schooling was up to, up to par you had to make sure that you were still in great shape you had to eat right properly and stuff like that so I think the mental side of it really helped me a lot in that program there and, and the coach we had there was there he was there for 37 years he's uh for a long time and uh he ran an unbelievable practice and he had us right mentally uh I, I think that's the biggest part I, I take away from the AIC or my, my time there what, what 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 was your plan? Because I guess you know the NHL in those days, you're, you're a very talented playmaker, but the NHL in those days was 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 all about size, and you know you you you've got a, a, a decent degree behind you. You then came over to Europe pretty early. Was there any thoughts of of kind of making it back home or or, or trying to make it you know AHL and in the show, or or did you kind of rule that out because? Um, you know, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, cast aspersions, but you were a smaller guy. Yeah, was no, 100%. Problems for you? No, hundred percent, John. If I go back, like everybody, 
and I didn't get drafted when I was junior because I played D and you're too small and everybody saw oh, you're too small, you're too small. And, and you just kept proving people wrong. And next thing you know, you know, I end up uh, getting a scholarship and going out there. And, and, it, and I always tell people, you know, now, you know what, uh, going to university and stuff, it's, it just prolongs your, 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 whether hockey career or any kind of sporting career for another four years where you're playing at a high level and, and anything can happen. Like at the end of the day, uh, things really aligned for me. I got, I went to a team uh, where I ended up playing on the first line and we were 11 freshmen come in and you, and play with two seniors. And next thing you know, I'm getting tons of points and you're getting all of a sudden you're getting visibility and next thing you get an invitation to Bruins camp, which came from nowhere. But like you said, Johnny, I was pretty realistic. And, uh, and, uh, that was never my, my goal. Remember, I never, I mean, everybody has a goal playing the NHL or playing pro sports, but when I went there, it was more like, you know what, I'm going to get education, play hockey for another four years and, and see where it takes me. But, uh, you know, I got, I got lucky with some stuff, everything kind of aligned for me and uh, things worked out. I got some opportunities. Yeah, certainly did. As you mentioned in 1990, that was a championship winning year. Um, so playoff winners, I presume. Yeah. So uh, in college, yeah, you, you make it to a tournament there. You got to qualify for the tournament, and then uh, and then it's a it's a it's a one game off. So they're all one gamers. So it's it's very similar to yeah. the final four in it. Well, you guys final four in the UK there which is pretty intense and it's one game finals and stuff. So that's the big thing. Even, even up to now, uh, even all the championships now are all, are all one game final fours and stuff. They're one game finals and stuff. So anyone else coming off that roster Vez that we'd, we'd know apart from yourself? Uh, off that roster is uh, God bless him. Passed away this year is a, a kid named Kevin Wortman ended up playing with the Calgary flames, played mm-hmm. with a kid named Daryl Fournette. He's a local boy too, French, uh, uh, Quebecer too. That was before me. He played a little bit. Uh, Brian Lewis, goaltender, played a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Pete Morris played a little bit in the minors and stuff. Uh, Tony Saracolo, who's a linesman down the NHL for 19 years. Yeah. That team too. So, yeah, we had a, we had some guys, but uh, we were never like a big big school, uh, small school, and um, but uh, yeah, we all jumped and uh, things came together. Excellent. So straight from there, you go straight to Europe and you sign with uh, Baresi in yeah. Italy. Were there any other options on the table for you coming out of college? Yeah, I had a, I had a, that, that in the summer I kept playing, well, I, kept, I played hockey in the summer here and I ended up uh, talking to an agent, couldn't have an agent because he played NCAA, but he was like looking out for me and uh, I ended up getting a few offers and I always, I always said I want to finish my degree and all that. And then, uh, I got a call. Uh, it was funny because my junior year, I only played two and a half years. And uh, my junior year, I get a call at Christmas saying that Varese is looking for a player and Brian Lefley is going to fly down and watch you play. And uh, so uh, he came down, he flew down and uh, he shows up. We're playing the worst team in the league and we won 12 to one. And I've, I was leading the league in scoring and I got zero points that night. <laughs> my only my only college my only college game without a point and uh, so I was so choked I was like oh my god I blew it and uh, so I go out and I'm, I'm devastated almost to say and I, I walk out and he's standing beside my car and uh, he looks at me he goes that was a load of shit <laughs> my time. I almost started crying I think and he said he goes kid get in the car he goes let, let's go to the pizza place. He bought 20 jumbo pizzas. He goes, let's go back to the floor. 
He goes, here's your contract. He goes, take two, three days. He goes, and uh, I'll see you, I'll see you in Varese. And he goes, uh, Bradshaw played there the year before. And Bradshaw, I don't know if you guys remember, he came back and he was playing for the Hartford Whalers at the time. Mm -hmm. And they're playing the Kings, which is Gretzky. So he goes, here's two tickets. He goes, go to the game tomorrow night. Go see Brad, ask him all the questions you want. Uh, you got the contract, send it to me back on Monday, Tuesday, or let me know your decision and all that. So I'm like ecstatic. I'm like 21 years old. I get these tickets. So we go down to Hartford. We watch the game and uh, I'm with my roommate. And then we got to go see Brad Shaw. So we got these VIP things. We're going downstairs. And I look at Pete. I go, Pete, Gretzky's on the other side over there. So we end up going to see Gretzky. <laughs> we can shake his hand. And Brad's in the other room waiting for beers. And he's going, where are these guys? <laughs> so anyway, so I end up there. And I end up going to see Brad. And, and from there, he said, that was a great, great opportunity. And there was about, was about 15 Canadians on the team there when I, when I ended up going. And I left at Christmas. So I left at, uh, on Christmas Day and I flew over there. Wow. And the reason why is because uh, 94, uh, it was the Olympics in Lillehammer. Yeah. Then the rule was you had to play three years in the country to be eligible if you had a passport. So if I got in that by Christmas, I, my, I'd be eligible to, I didn't mean I was going to make it, but I'd be eligible to represent Italy in the Olympics in 94. So I had a big meeting with the coach, with the boys and all that, and I ended up leaving at Christmas at my junior year. So, Vez, we always think of the Italian league as a, as a decent standard, but obviously, I guess, similar to the UK, maybe football's the main sport, soccer's the main sport over there. So, so when you got over and experienced European hockey, and particularly Italian hockey for the first time, you know, how, how, how professional and, 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 you know, what was the standard like? And, you know, obviously, you know, you guys were pool A and, and as you say, went to Olympic Games. What, what, what was the, the first impressions of Italian hockey? Johnny, when my when the well my consultant the agent at the time called me, and he says you got an offer, and this guy's coming from Italy, and I'm going, there's hockey in Italy. <laughs> I didn't, I, I had no idea, and I'm like, and then he started rattling off all these names, and I'm like, oh my god! So I get there, and I end up playing with Tony McKechnie, Jim Benning, uh, Jim Corsi, uh, Pat McAlevey, Frank Nigro, wow. uh, Gary Curry was there that year. Wow. And, Ellie came to Milan. It was huge names, like. But it's funny in Europe, like I don't know, uh, Franny. You've been you've you've been playing for a long time. You've been there for a long time. It kind of fluctuates. I think like six, seven years. Like all of a sudden, the Italian league is the best league, and then the French league gets money, and then the, the British league, and it, and it, and they kind of like it fluctuates. But when I went there, ninety from ninety to 97, 95, it was unbelievable. Like the, the there was guys. Were getting sold from like the city from the mountain team to the to Milan for three hundred thousand, like as a transfer fee in hockey, which is a it's crazy. So I mean the money was just insane. It's too bad that um, uh, hockey's run by all the little the mountain towns. That's what they have. It only it only snows in a, a third of the of the country, and the big school the big cities like Milan, Varese, Cormorosta, Bolzano, they wanted it to grow, and they knew the mountain towns knew that if they if they grew. They wouldn't be able to compete and they wanted to keep their hockey. So it's too bad that they never really got to the next level. Yeah. Some guys come in, like Shimano came in, wanted to invest. Bernasconi came in who owns AC Milan. Yeah. And uh, and they wanted to invest and and it was kind of run by the 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 mountain teams. So they kind of they kind of squashed that a bit and they wanted to hold their their uh, their hockey in the mountains and stuff. So but it was it was an amazing yeah. 
I was going to ask, man, you, you, you are a playmaker. You see the ice so well. So I, I, I guess getting to that bigger ice pad, did you enjoy that? It's, it's funny, Johnny, that you say that. I don't know if uh, it, yeah, I enjoyed it, but I think my strength was anticipating the play. And, and with back home with the rinks being smaller, you're more involved. Yeah. And closer to the play. And I don't know if you remember Stefan LeBeau playing the yeah. NHL Stanley Cup with, with the Canadians. Little guy, too. He ended up going to play in Lugano, which was near Varese. I used to go mm -hmm. And he struggled in the Swiss League forever. Like, he struggled for the first month. And the same thing, he's going, well, I can read it, but I can't get there. <laughs> there is. Mm -hmm. and, and he struggled and stuff. And it takes a time. The adaptation was a... So I think, like, even, even coming to Cardiff, that rink was, like, I, I loved it. Like, I love being... I'd rather play a smaller rink than a bigger rink. Yeah. yeah as crazy as that sounds, you know, but... No, I, I think definitely, Vaz, from, you know, playing with you and, uh, and watching you play, you'd love to be involved. And the smaller the ice pad is, you were writing on the action, uh, never shied away from any sort of physical thing. In fact, you, you kind of, you fed off those sort of physical battles and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, a, a, like you say, a quick mind on those small ice pads makes, makes a big difference. Yeah, no, for sure, Franny. And just those bigger, right? There's a, a lot of room out there. <laughs> Let's talk about the Olympic Games uh, in yeah. 94. Um, you know, such a huge tournament all around the world. That must have been the moment where I imagine all of your family must have been immensely proud uh, that yeah. you were in such a big tournament on such a grand stage. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty insane. The whole build-up to the whole thing. I mean, they, they invited uh, 60 guys to camp. And, we, and it was like run like the UK. You kind of had like breaks in the season and you had camps. And then they broke it down and they were going to name it the 23-man roster. I remember I remember we had three guys from our team of Razi that were on the uh, on the roster. We didn't sleep that whole night. Like that was one of the nights I sat there and I prayed and like how many chances are you going to get to go to the Olympics, you know? And it, it has nothing to do with the hockey part of it. It was more of just interacting with every all the other athletes and being there and on, on that stage and it was like it was incredible and so when that when those when that roster came out it was like a huge relief and it was yeah my, my parents were proud and it was just too bad that it it ended up being uh we found out late and uh it was in Lillehammer it wasn't very big so I couldn't get we couldn't get any any uh any places out there to so my parents to come out and stuff so that was the VHS of those there's the, the 94 game. So, uh, you know, I, occasionally I, I find you on there. So, uh, I'll, I'll have to oh, yeah. Clips. <laughs> yeah, uh, please do. Uh, I was, it was pretty special. And, and like I said, it wasn't the hockey part of it, but just walking in the opening ceremonies, like in, uh, tell you a little story. So you, you line up and it's about a two, three kilometer walk. And we had Italy and then Jamaica was right behind us. And they had the, I don't know if you remember cool running was then yeah. <laughs> Jamaican bobsled team was there. And they were buying, and they were all guys from Brooklyn with Jamaican passports. So it was. <laughs> but that was a, that was a pretty big because that wasn't the dream team for Canada. But there were some NHLs that started going. I think Paul Career was in that tournament. I I, I remember yeah. Corey Hirsch in goal maybe, and yeah. did, did they Canada had to lose the gold medal game on a shootout maybe? But but that was a that yeah. was a pretty big tournament there in Lindenhammer. You got a good memory, John. Yeah, there was uh, Peter Nedved was playing for Canada too. Yeah. And uh, so that was their roster, but you're right. It wasn't, it was uh, like the U S team was all college kids, all, 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 uh, all college athletes and stuff. There was no pros at the time. Canada had some guys like Korean stuff that were still young. Uh, Joe Juno, I think was there. 
Juno was there too and stuff. So we, and, and it was funny because every year we went to world championships and the one Olympics I did play in, we always ended up playing Canada, which was pretty cool. Like it's a huge thing. It's on back home. And yeah. Uh, so we ended up playing Canada, the U S team too. And, and the Italian team was full of like uh, Canadian Italians and, and American that. So it's a, it's a big deal for us. And, and like, even at the world championships, like I'm sitting there in, uh, in 94 in Italy and you look and you have Sackick and you have Corson and you have Robbie and you have Lake and you have all these guys and you were sitting in a room and, and us, us Italian guys, these little guys, you end up growing and you end up being like six foot because you're so excited. And then you back on the other side reading Sacratini, Chitteroni, and it's like, guys, like this is, their level comes down and the game goes on. And next thing you know, it's one, one after one. And it's like, then they start like jacking up and, and, and it becomes a five, six, one Canada. So it's like, it's incredible the difference though. So, of course, you would have played against GB in 94 in those World Championships in Pool A, you know, yeah, the was, Ian Cooper and things like that, when that was, it, was, it wasn't great for, for, for GB, but it was hell of an experience. Uh, they, they cost me a case of beer. I scored the 10th goal against GB that game. But <laughs> 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 Yeah, I remember I got pictures with, with uh, lining up next to Shannon and Coops and McEwen. Oh. And it was it's pretty funny. I remember Chirp and Cranny, uh, he's, he, he's on Twitter now, and he goes, yeah. You remember yelling at me saying, go have a beer. And, he, and Cranny yelled back, well, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm from Britain. <laughs> <laughs> so our, our battle started in 94. But I got the better of those guys then. Uh, I imagine you and Tim Cranston can have a, a few good chirps. Yeah, we're, I can see eye to eye to him. I think I'm taller than him, but anyways. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was cool. The whole experience of just playing against, you know, Yash and Sundin playing those guys. It's just, and it was funny that Italy, uh, back then it was always pools of four and you had to, you had to win your one game. So you had to beat Austria, Norway, uh, Denmark or Kazakhstan or, or, or GB. And, and we managed for 10 years to win that one game that kept us up. That was our model was, that was our model. And our team was just win one game. <laughs> that was it. So, so, was, Bez, let, let me ask you this, because this is something that's raged in, in GB hockey for the 30 years I've been watching it. So it's interesting to get you. You were a, you know, Canadian, but obviously a, a, a proud Italian. The fact that you were playing for Italy, it, you know, there's always the argument that in, in, in Britain, maybe the dual nationals who play for GB don't care as much. They don't give as much. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing from your experience, that wasn't the case at all. No, it's not the case at all. Like, I, I mean... I can speak just for myself and, and my teammates, the uh, guys that represent Italy and stuff. We, we were proud. Like, I mean, you're proud to, to, to wear the flag and all that. The only, the only one embarrassing thing is my first national team game. And we lined up on the, on the blue line. And it was, I think we had about 14 Canadians and it was pretty much 12 of us our first time. And we're sitting in a national anthem that has a pause in it. And we all start skating off. <laughs> and we're like, Oh my God, we better get back. Yeah, yeah, but no, I mean, put on the jersey and stuff. I mean, you're proud. I mean, I would love to play for Canada, I knew that wasn't going to happen, so I took my chances. I said, I'll go with Italy. So, I think I, I put the odds in my favor. I think so. So, Viz, you spent three years, uh, three seasons with Brazy. You must have felt Pretty at home there. It seems to be going well. The third year, especially, uh, you really uh, started to light the lamp points wise. You started to get your groove as a professional. 
Yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I got, I got in there. Uh, like I said, I got in there at Christmas. I only got playing about 12 games uh, from Christmas to the end of it and playing the, in the, in the playoffs there kind of got my feet wet and went back and uh, ended up being there thinking for for about four or five years and then uh, made a switch, went to, uh, went to Milan for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great bunch of guys, a lot of Canadian guys there, a lot of guys with a lot of experience and stuff. And I don't know if you guys remember Jim Corsi. Yeah. So a big goalie and he, it was his last year in his career and stuff. And uh, I remember he, he really took me under his wing and uh, he gave me some great advice and stuff that I, I, I carried throughout my career. He said, Levez, you know what, read the paper, good or bad, don't worry about it. He goes, just make sure you play for the 20 guys in the locker room, the 5% of fans that understand it and your GM, and you know what, you're going to have a long career. He goes, uh, and it, it, it kind of played through because uh, I don't want to jump too much forward, uh, but Ivan, uh, that year when the first the forum came out with all the people with social media and stuff, mm-hmm. And it, it kind of affects people, you know, it, uh, good, bad, you, you read stuff. And the same thing in the journalists in Italy was even worse because you can, you can have a great game, but you didn't score. And it, they, their mentality was like soccer. You know, if you're up by one, well, you, you shouldn't lose. <laughs> so, so it was, uh, he gave me some good advice and uh, uh, he kind of, he, he kind of steered my, my career in, in the right direction. He ended up being the GM of, uh, of Milan, he ended up coaching me and stuff. And uh, he, he played a big part of my career. So. The beginning of it, anyway. So, just just briefly, Vez, away from hockey, what what was the lifestyle like, particularly in a, a Milan? I'm, I'm, you know, Cardiff's a nice place to play, but when when you play <laughs> in Milan and things like that, it that, that must be that must be an experience in itself. Yeah, it, it was it was neat. Verezzi was better, to be honest, because Verezzi was up in the mountains and stuff. It was by the Swiss border, sunny all the time. Milan was a lot of fog and smog and stuff. Big big industrial city. Uh, neat neat to be there and stuff. Uh, but I really enjoyed my time better in Varese. This was a quainter town uh, to, to Switzerland. Like it was, it was quaint and it was nice. The, the, the lifestyle is pretty cool. Uh, it got, got, got tough to get adjusted to it. They have these three hour siestas. And you, <laughs> you can never get anything done. You, you try to go to a store, it's supposed to open at three. And the girl shows up at like 3.45, half in the bag. And she's going, oh, what do you relax? What do you got to do? It's like... <laughs> Banks are never open. It was like it was insane. <laughs> well, they get behind a wheel and they start going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. John, I, oh, I was going to say Danny, you carry on. Yeah, John, I, I've got a question for you about one of Vez's teammates in Milan. So I was looking, <laughs> looking through the looking through the rosters earlier, and there's a guy there, Tony Fury, and that rings <laughs> a bell. Of him signing for, for the Devils, but not turning up. Yeah, 92-93 season, before when, when Grattan and Anderson didn't work out, he was the first import that Lawless signed to replace him, and he, he didn't turn up. He was meant to be, he was meant to play, sorry, I'm going off to, he was meant to play in a Southern Cup game, and he wasn't there, and Lawless had to come onto the ice and tell people why he wasn't there, and we ended up signing uh, Steve Kajir and Hilton Ruggles. Oh, wait. Yeah, I, I knew there was a link there somewhere. <laughs> and then who did we have the year after? Imports? Yeah. Uh, oh, what was that guy who played 93? Uh, Rick something or other. There it is. We yeah. got the <laughs> reference in. Every show, Vez, we got to get Rick Brabant. Rick Brabant's got to come in once, Vez. It upsets me every <laughs> single time. I've got a little man crush. <clears throat> that doesn't make you a bad guy, John. Yeah. <laughs> but there we go Tony, Tony Fiore so what, what would he have been like in Cardiff Vez? he was he did... uh, 
he was a skilled player. Like he, uh, he was a big, big body, but, but more skilled than, uh, than grit. So I ended up playing against him for a while. Yeah. He used to, he used to, just to rough him up, Franny, just put it that way. <laughs> and then, and then uh, he ended up being, uh, I was teammates with him in Milan one year. Yeah. I think one year or two years with him in Milan. But uh, yeah, he was a good skater, good, good offensive skills and stuff. Yeah. We never, we never got to see him. He, he went home. Didn't he actually arrive in Cardiff? He was like, in the right? Holiday Inn. Morris had him in the Holiday Inn. No way. Yeah. 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 He, flew out. he checked out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get a story of that, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, just the last little part of your, your Italian uh, career before we move on yeah. uh, to the part that I'm sure a lot of people can't wait to hear about. Uh, why did you make the move from Brazil to Milan? You've been there for three years. Is it just time for a change of scenery? Yeah, um, we changed we change coaches. I don't know if you guys remember Paul Terrio. So mm. he- he coached in Buffalo with uh, Nolan and uh, he was coaching there and then Nolan got fired and they asked him to stay on. And he said, nah, you know, he was good faith. He said, well, this guy just won coach of the year. He's going to coach again in the NHL for sure. And then you know, 35 years later, he's still no job. So <laughs> Paul ended up coming to Varese and, uh, and he was, he was a good coach. He was a great coach. And uh, it, everything went well. It was, we brought in a bunch of different guys. We went in different direction and stuff. And uh, we were a younger team, and uh, and I was there for two years with him, and uh, and then it came to a point where Jim Corsi ended up going to Milan. Uh, he had said, "Vez, why don't you come to Milan?" And they were building another team there and all that, and uh, with a new owner, uh, with injection of a lot of money and stuff. So I ended up I ended up leaving Varese for uh, to go to Milan for two years. I needed needed a bit of a change too, and uh, was there in Milan there and uh, with with Corsi and and Kim Gellert and stuff. Guys that I played with my first year. So, so is this the is this Corsi as in they named the the stats? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He ended up inventing that. He wrote a book and. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, what a mentor! Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, are we are we now going to get to to one punch in the limo? Because that's all I'm here for. Is, is well, here we go. <laughs> I, I, I got I got something before that though, John. Go on. Here it is. I might have I might have a little story just before that. I like that. Go on. Yeah. So so I end up that, that it was like year seven, and uh, I went home that year, and I'm like, uh, I get a phone call by my agent, and uh, Jim Lynch had offered me a contract to go to Eagles, and uh, so my agent calls me, goes, "There's this new league," and he goes, "You wanna?" Anyway, so but it was later on in the summer, and I wasn't sure. I had a year left in my contract in Milan, and Fox Scotland. I'm going air. Well, I don't even know where that is. I'm like, <laughs> so we're pondering, pondering it. And then uh, I called Corsi and I said, Jim, and he goes, Vez, you know what? It's brand new league. You know, it might, it might be something to ponder. He goes, listen, you can go out there. No problem. And if, if it doesn't work out, come back. Like I'll have a spot for you. So I, I get on the phone call Lynch and it was like late August, I think, or early August or late July, whatever. And he goes, well, I don't have the contracts. I don't. I've already sent it out to somebody else. I got. I only got this much money left. I go, I'm not. I'm not coming for for that. So I called Jim and I said, ah, never mind. It's too late. I'm coming back to Milan. And then I get a phone call and he's, he goes, Cardiff's in the equation. Cardiff, where's that? Wales. <laughs> yeah, where is that? I remember. 
I remember my buddy, my best friend's father was Bart Welsh and Scott Irish, and he's like sending me these pictures of like Cardiff and how beautiful it is and all this. I go, Jim, I'm going there for hockey, man. It's like, <laughs> 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 so, he, uh, so I'm like, so I called Jim again. I said, Jimmy, listen, I'm going to reach out to Cardiff. I'm going to, so I end up calling Heaps and uh, I said, Paul, listen, this, it'll work like this. I'm going to come on a tryout. Uh, two weeks. If you don't like me, we part ways. And if I don't like it, I part ways. Like we'll go, we'll go that way because I didn't know what I was expecting. And he didn't know what to expect either. It was like, he goes fair enough. Uh, so he sends me this contract and next, you know, I call Corsi and he says, yeah, go for it, Bez. Just let me know in two weeks. Fair enough. So I get there and I get off the plane and uh, there's this guy standing there with my sign. And I'm like, <laughs> And, and he starts talking. I can't even understand him. Fuck, I'm like, what the fuck? And it's Frank. <laughs> <laughs> greatest guy in the world. I'm like, fuck, we get in the car. I go to get in the car, I get on the wrong side. Like, what? <laughs> all the way, two-hour drive. Frank's telling me all these stories. I can only understand every third word from him. Like, what? <laughs> we get to this bridge and fucking toll. And next thing, <laughs> I, I'm in a hotel. And I'm like, fuck, Fanny's gone. And he's going... Don't worry, Vess, we're leaving tomorrow morning. We're going to France. So just walk across the rinks right there. And Franny's gone. I'm like, fuck, it was late. Great. Unbelievable. Like, the whole ride was unbelievable. And the next morning, I wake up, and I just fucking, I go walk over there. First guy I meet is Matulik. And he goes, uh, Sacratini? Can't even speak. Another guy can't even fucking speak English. Big <laughs> <laughs> fucking Drago. I'm like, oh, hockey or wrestling? Like, Jesus. So, so, and then all of a sudden, here come the Ware Brothers. <laughs> these guys are on our team too. I'm like, is this wrestling or what? Uh, and they, and they kind of takes half my arm off, and then Greg is like a friendly giant. I'm like, oh my god. Like, so then Ivan, <laughs> such a great guy, Ivan, he takes me in the locker room and the first guy I see is Coop. He's got this fucking blonde, long hair. I'm like, where, where am I, man? Like, <laughs> Moria's wearing a bandana. <laughs> and then Shannon's popping around like he's fucking <laughs> lucky. And, what, is this hockey or what? <laughs> it's like, and then Lily pops in. He goes, I'm the goalie. It's 12 years old, man. <laughs> <laughs> And I go, it can't get any worse. And he pops up. I'm the coach. I go, fuck, can't even speak English. <laughs> I got the Scottish guy fucking screaming, yelling. We haven't got any ice yet. And I'm like, fuck, I'm on a bus now. Next day I'm on a ferry. And, and then I'm like, fuck, Franny. Franny's the only buddy I got. I'm like, fuck, Franny, we're, what are we doing here? Fuck. Dick, I can't even breathe. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we get on another bus. We get to the rink. And that's where it all changed. Next thing I know, fuck, there's about three busloads of fans. Fucking jerseys banging. I'm going, fuck, this training camp, no? And he goes, yeah, our support's unbelievable. And then I get in the locker room, and next thing I get fucking one German guy or whatever, Franny, get on the ice. He doesn't want to tie up his skates. <laughs> where the fuck am I? This, <laughs> and there's a German guy. And it's no, like, that, that's one punch that wouldn't tie his skates. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. where am I? Like, this is this, this is a joke. Like, I'm calling Corsi. Say, Corsi, I'll be back tomorrow. 
<laughs> I was like, and then it all changed. As soon as we got on the ice, everybody's flying around with tulips flying. Like, what? This guy's like 6'7", six, 6'3", six, 295 pounds of muscle. <laughs> and he's trying to fight everybody. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and it, well, and we're, there you, and, we're there and guys just kept on showing up every five minutes. Like, oh. I, I think I was like on the third line with you there. And then next thing, we got uh, two German guys, uh, Stefan yeah. and uh, and Beavis. Turn yeah. up, <laughs> Ma- Marco Swabenko. We know his name, and then we got oh. one punch. Who's the six foot six Canadian Irish guy? And I, I want to know if you can solve a mystery for the show. Do you remember oh. that guy's name? I don't, Freddie. <laughs> oh, I need to know it. Like we'll never I, know. I messaged Heaves. He didn't get back to me. Uh, yeah, one punch was a guy. Like, yeah, he's the one that's skating around without tying his skates up to strengthen his ankles. He, uh, uh, he opted out of the team golf day because he wanted to jump over cars on his rollerblades. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I, be- I remember Franny. Uh, Franny, I don't know if he shares. He's too humble. Comes up to me and he's going, "That fucker's not taking my job. I'm fighting him right away." <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we got Franny and Waffy flying around. <laughs> Yeah, I think like, oh, we gonna is this gonna be hockey or is this wrestling? Like what the <laughs> I remember the, the cross ice scrimmage we have. So oh. to, to simulate battles, you you yeah. put the put the nets cross ice to make yeah. it really, really small. So it gets super intense. And yeah, these all these guys are showing up and I'm thinking, no, they're not taking my job. So I remember <laughs> the puck the puck got caught in the netting, and there's because they're up tight against the boards, you gotta try and dig it out. So there's poor old uh, Beavis trying to dig the puck out. And I just, and I just smoked him into the iron. And like, he is just, the, the look of disgust on his face for what I've just done to him. Excellent. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was that. And, and, and Glenn Anderson too, Bessie. Yeah, then, then the next thing we get wind of Anderson's coming over. I'm like, oh my God. And uh, so he's in Cardiff now and, and Matulik knows. And I'm going, finally, somebody like, Somebody that plays hockey, like fuck. <laughs> uh, so, so we we end up we end up coming back to. Oh no, sorry. So we go out that night in France, and we all go out and and I can't believe like it's unbelievable. This is like close knit team, like right off the hop, like everybody. It's unbelievable, and we get to this bar and uh, there's a dress code, and it can't get in. So we all go in. Shannon goes, "Don't worry, I'll be back." Shannon's gone. Remember this, Franny? Next thing you know, Shannon's in the club, yeah, and he's bouncing around, and there's these sparks coming off the dance floor. <laughs> what the? He's got his golf cleats on because he only had one shoes. He needed shoes to get in. Shannon's flying around on the dance floor with spikes on. <laughs> there's sparks on the dance floor. There's there's wooden floors, like proper expensive uh-huh. polished wooden floors, and he's doing pirouettes. So you can just see these like bullseyes all everywhere that Shiny's been because he's doing spinoramas in his golf shoes. Yeah, I, I knew from that night on I was staying. <laughs> oh, it's funny. So then we end up we end up coming back to Cardiff and I walked into that rink and it was like it's unbelievable. Like I loved it. And then we end up playing, I think it was the German team, eh, Franny? Yeah. But exhibition game and then I get on a line, me, Franny, and Anderson. And I'm like, this is fucking. And I think we scored on the first shift, Franny. I think, I think, I think, up Glenn, and then I think we might have scored on the second shift. And Anderson's got like, I think me and Franny set him up for two empty netters, and we're hugging in the corner, and, and Glenn goes, Vez, pick up the puck." Well, Glenn, fucking only two goals. You might want to score a third. 
<laughs> and he's going, pick it up, pick it up. And I'm going, fuck, Glenn. All right, I go get the puck. And, and after the game comes to see me, and Franny, I don't know if you remember this, Franny. He goes, Vez, this is my 500 pro goal. Wow. What do you mean? And he goes, I go, well, for, he goes, this is not the NHL, Glenn. And it's a nice idea, but wrong league, buddy. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. He goes, Vez, we getting paid? It's pro hockey, buddy. This is my <laughs> He's going, he goes, Gretzky's got 498 assists. He goes, you and Franny got the other two. <laughs> he was like, oh, he was, and I looked it up and he does. He's got 498 goals. Yeah, there was something in the thing after saying that if he went back, he needed two goals for 500 goals. And he actually said, no, I've actually got 500 yeah. career goals, but never actually said where he got them. Yeah, he's, he was a and, and great guy, like class act yeah. guy. He was awesome. He bought everyone steak. He yeah, bought he everybody got, everything. Yeah. <laughs> with, with the team credit card. With the, yeah. <laughs> I, I think he got thrown out of the casino because he won too much one night, Franny, didn't he? Oh god. <laughs> so that was it. I, I think I think after that game, after I think walking out of the rink just for warm-ups and, and the opening the opening song and the, the intro. I think I called my agent from the from the room and I said, I, I I'm staying here. I'm not leaving. I'm playing for free. <laughs> the fans, it was unbelievable. Like right off right off the get-go. Have you found Savini's by then? Sorry. No. Sorry? Have you found Savini's in the arcade by then? Yeah, we did that morning, Hubsy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Dorothy's right that night. Absolutely. <laughs> Two more good Fran, Franny, to took, Franny took me to both. <laughs> I was going to ask you about was, was it was, I, I was like a, a 16 year old. It was like a Wednesday lunchtime team launch and everyone comes onto the ice. And then this, this limo comes onto the ice and it's you, Stefan Zeesh and Glenn Anderson getting out of this limo. And, you know, with, with the greatest respect in the world, I knew who Glenn Anderson were, but I wasn't sure who the other two guys getting out of the limo were. And uh, it was neither did I, John. Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> hey, Glenn neither did I, John. I was like, what am I? I'm, what am, I'm in a fucking limo now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm I just want to play hockey. And, and then the best part is, I've, well, we get out of that limo and I'm like, I'm sitting in there. I'm going, Glenn Ashton, you go. I'm just going to go out the back over here. I'm just going to go hide because I was embarrassed. <laughs> I go, I can see Glenn coming out of there. The guy's got like fucking 19 rings and fucking 8,000. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, always, I always wonder what Stefan Zeech must have thought because you've just had a very good career in Italy. Stefan yeah. Zeech, God love him, was you know was selling popcorn or something, and uh, he had to get out the same limo as you and Glenn Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> I was it was unbelievable, buddy. From that day, man, it, it didn't take long to I fell in love with the place and the, the guys and everything it was unbelievable. And, and that year, like it's insane how our our team just came together. Like it, it's insane. Like I mean, Thorts ended up joining. Uh, we ended up, I think. Randy Smith had a back issue. I think yeah, that's Randy right. couldn't play, and we ended up picking up Ken Hodge. I think because yeah. of that, and uh, and and it was just it just you know Hodge, Matulik, and Thornton was like great line chemistry. Just game, and then they had the British line was unbelievable. Mo Coops and yeah. and, uh, yeah. and, McEwen. and McEwen. Yeah, they were unbelievable. And then and, and then they and, put three they put you, three misfits together. Me, me, you, and, and McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Another two guys that couldn't speak English. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and then, then you had then you had crazy Franny and Waffy going with, <laughs> and it was like those guys were like high energy every 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 game. It's like I had to stand the other end of the bench because those guys were just chirping everybody. Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> 
But those, they, those, those lines were pretty much set from about, and I think that's what gave us the edge over Sheffield yeah. maybe that year. Those uh, lines kind of came together very, very quickly. And, and, you know, like you said, all right, Ken Hodge came in a little later, but the chemistry you had with McCarthy, who was this 34-year-old guy who played lower-level hockey at Milton Keynes, and Uchuk, who was just coming into the country and got a 97-game ban because he slashed someone in the cross yeah. the head in Nottingham. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, but, but that chemistry happened very quickly. No, it was unbelievable. I remember, I remember it was, uh, I think I've been Franny or it was or Mo telling me, don't worry, Don McCarthy come, that guy just scores goals. I remember, remember saying, I'm going, okay, because because I never shoot, I hardly shoot. I need somebody who's going to score goals. I might need somebody who might have to protect me too. So we got you, Chuck. So we're, we're going to be good. <laughs> and we got yeah. Franny there. So we're good. <laughs> and I got to give it Doug McCarthy, man. That guy scored goals. Like he yeah. just, he just had a knack for scoring goals and, and Chemistry just, it, you know, you get, well, Fran, you've been on a lot of teams. You come together like, uh, I don't even know how long. We didn't even spend too much time together. Like you said, John, Heavey somehow was like a genius, put these lines together and it just, it just clicked like, a, and, and it was great because he didn't care if you're on the third line, fourth line, everybody just wanted to win. And, and uh, maybe because of our uh, bonus structure, I don't know if I can share that, but <laughs> bonus structure. And uh, that's why we went 20 and one on the road because we only had a road win and <laughs> zero. So we went balls out on Saturday and then Sunday, we just, well, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and but, it was uh, unbelievable. The start of that season, Vez, because you guys were great uh, away from home, but at home you couldn't win a game the first six weeks. And there was the guy up in block 13 who threw his shirt on the ice and that sort of thing. That was a, it was kind of a bit of a difficult start to the season at home in this new league and, and everything yeah. going on. Yeah. It was crazy. Cause you couldn't get a better rank to play at home. Like you couldn't get like a, a, a seventh, a seventh, a seventh, a six gator. Like it was unbelievable, the energy and everything. And it was just didn't make sense. And then it all added up that we had no bonus to win games. So it, was pretty- <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just a slow play, Vez, wasn't it? To get a yeah, it was. We just played the rope a dope. We get a little Muhammad Ali, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I got to give it, man. That that team, it didn't matter. Yeah. It, nobody cared. Nobody cared about just about winning, and it was just all about that. And it started with Heavey. I got to give it to him. Like Paul was, you know, his first time coaching. I think, or maybe I'm wrong. He just started. Just had begun. He just yeah, ended. Second year. And now he's got a bunch of guys like Caprice, Hodge, Matulik, uh, Wersey, like NHL guys, like big, big resumes. And uh, and he's was great just putting everything together. He he kind of picked everybody's brain and he kind of made it his own, though. But he kind of reached out to everybody and, and for advice and stuff. And and uh, I think he was a great guy to play for. He's just a player's guy and, and everybody wanted to win for him and, and, and the team. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I, JD, you mentioned there about us having settled lines, and that's probably what gave us the edge over over Sheffield that year. Um, I'd also put it that if you look at what you know, like Vez says, was our third line. So it was Vezzi, McCarthy, and Newchuck. Vezzi finishes top scorer in the team. McCarthy's in third, and Newchuck's not far behind. That's your third line scoring there, and you know I relate that to the year. Uh, when we went on the uh, the world record, yeah. uh, and we had Stu McRae, Tyler right. Michelle, and Sam yeah. Smith had the career right. career, and it just meant that teams are obviously going to focus on like Ivan Hodge uh, and Thought because you know because the names they were and the resumes yeah. and everything, and then you got you know that third line just thrown in the goals, and I knew McCarthy was a good player. Yeah, you know, he'd put up like 200 points a year in Milton Keynes for the last God knows how long. But you always thought, okay, he's a 
he's a points machine in a lower league. Yeah. But then when he came up, like I didn't realize how kind of successful he was in, you know, University of Alberta. He's an absolute legend there, isn't he? In a good hockey program. Yeah. I, I didn't realize what a smart hockey player he was. And, uh, you know, so enthusiastic about the game. You know, he was in his later years, but um, yeah, like he was, he was fun to be around, wasn't he? I mean, oh, amazing. I, he always had a beer after the game because he needed to get the electrolytes back in his system. <laughs> I remember that, Rezzy. Yeah, oh, I was. <laughs> but it was, it was just the whole, the whole mix of every, like starting from your leader. Like, where is he? Where is he? Just care about winning. or care about the whole team. Matulik was the same. Everybody had the same mentality. Everybody was like there for everybody and it was it was incredible like I, i've never been part of a team that gelled so fast and uh it, it was it was fun to be a part of that team but uh then you take away franny don't take away like i remember coming and i looked up stats and moria had like gretzky numbers like i think he had sixteen thousand points in the well where am i going <laughs> this guy and him McEwen was a legend and coops yeah. and they, those guys like they were unbelievable they were like three guys that played together for like 40 years it was it was unbelievable yeah. to watch yeah. That that's what like one of the most perfect balance lines, wasn't it? Yeah, oh. Mo's un, unreal skill. Ian Cooper doing the dirty work, and in front of the net, you know his famous tippings and everything. And then you got McEwen. Nobody knew what he was doing, including himself. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just had he had more skill than you've ever seen, and, and would just you know out of nowhere in a game where maybe we were struggling, he'd do something magical and you know and get us that important goal. And, and Frank, Mo was Mo was sixty one then as well. So yeah, Mo. It's funny. <laughs> I just sent him a video for his 60th. I just found out he was 60. Yeah. I sent him a video. So I told him, I go, I go, Mo, you must be lucky now. You're 60 with the COVID thing. You're going to get your vaccine first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how happy he was about that. It's funny. Mo would never tell anybody how old he was. But Franny, Franny's being a little humble too. Franny played a big part of us too. Franny was out there fucking challenging guys, him and Wafi and Swanee. And Swanee, yeah positive and and franny was one of the best teammates i've ever had man not because he's on the online with us here but i've always said franny man he's always been uh heart of gold and he's 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 the gel to every team he's that's why he's still there and he was still there for a long time so franny can i throw in something ocd about you i remember being in sheffield and seeing you score a four all draw that year when ken hodge scored a couple of goals i think in his second ever game and you scored that night so against uh, piero greco if i remember correctly yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think it was on that that game off the bat. I tried to fight. Remember Scott Campbell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I was chasing him around because, like, I just like you have to play to your strengths. And <laughs> mine, mine was mine wasn't on the ice. It was getting under people's skin. So whether that was being on the bench, and he was actually mentioned it in a he was on um, Four Thousand and Counting podcast the other week, and he was talking about our team and everything. And then he said. You know, he name-checked uh, myself and, and Waffy, like, hanging over the boards, just absolutely getting under people's skin. So, yeah, just, you know, and that, and that was, that summed the whole team up. Whatever way you could contribute, whether it was, you know, if, whether it was on the ice or whether it was uh, from the bench. And I think after thoughts came in, that was pretty much me consigned to the bench for most of the year. Um, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, you just did whatever you could to, to help that team. Always made it made it quite nice for a skating pass when Franny was winding up people. Yeah, <laughs> and then then don't 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 forget we had Lily that came in as a sixteen year old, seventeen year old that really stood in his hand. It was unbelievable. Like like yeah. Kid, like yeah. Old. I mean, he dislodged an NHL netminder from yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Ben, uh, you, you finished I, second in scoring that year, didn't you, in the whole league, with, with, with about three goals as well. So the assists were, I think it was Dale yeah. Junkin that beat you. You were second in league scoring that year. Yeah, Dale Junkin. I got a good story, though, about that just before that. So we played we played that German games, and then I start looking at names that were, like, signing in Manchester and Nottingham and all this. I'm going, fuck, this is going to be a good league. Like, And I remember being up in the bar, and, and I met Carl for the first time and Gags <laughs> and, and all those guys, and they were like, Oh, wait, we play Manchester next week. Fucking Hilton Ruggles, he's gonna, he'll score six, seven against us. Well, six, seven. They go, I go, what do you, how many teams are you gonna score in the league? He goes, well, he'll get 50 for sure. I go, 50. I go, what are you guys crazy or what? I go, be lucky if you get five points, Hilton. I, I know Hilton, like, <laughs> get 50 goals, 50 goals. I go, what do you guys want to wager? He goes, 100 pounds. I go, let's make it a thousand. Like, are you guys nuts? <laughs> Anyways, uh, long story short, those guys bought me out. I said, just give me a case of beer at Christmas. I think not even <laughs> bought out in se- the end of September. I think he'll <laughs> three goals. And the top scorer in the league was drunk and with 59 points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love Hilton stuff, but I knew he wasn't getting 50. <laughs> Come on, I like Franny, Vez, you were on that team, and it's just, uh, you guys probably don't remember, but. I've been watching hockey for 30 odd years. There's only very few occasions that police have been involved. And two of the occasions were that year with you, Chuck in Nottingham and Shannon in Sheffield. You know, is the statute of limitation, uh, lib- uh, you know, limitations passed now. Can you, do you remember those games and what happened and, and, and kind of the, the fallout from them? Franny, I remember, I remember the you, Chuck. That was yeah. like, I think it was down in the corner. I think yeah. it was, I don't know what happened, and uh, next thing, Utrecht just turned around, kind of baseball stuff, and hit. Tomahawked him, yes. Was it Olsen? Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. I think it was Olsen, and he caught him on the side of the temple or the side of the helmet and stuff, and he was down, and it just it just looked ugly. Yeah, I, I don't remember the Shannon one being that year. I didn't think it was that year. Uh, yeah. Shannon, Jamie Leach that year in Sheffield. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, it, was yeah heavy, remember- it was a heavy year. <laughs> I remember. I remember the. I remember where is he with Vial? But... Oh, the one. Oh yeah, every game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was the rivalry like though with Sheffield that year? Because for us fans, it was you know this was you only get to win the super the first ever Super League title once, and and, once. and kind of the Devils had been the superior team, and then Sheffield had won the league title the last two years, and there was a real big. Um, kind of rivalry going down the stretch. Who, who was going to be Cardiff or Sheffield to be the first ever Super League champions? What, what was the rivalry like to play in? I was, it was amazing. Like, I mean, starting with just the fans, just to build up in the, in the rinks and, and all that. And then on the ice, it was pretty intense. Like, uh, it was uh, it two, two heavyweights going at it. Was, yeah. was that the season of the Mark Lefebvre fight or was that a different season? No, it was the first Elite League year. the Mark Lefebvre. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. No, super we'll year, we beat Sheffield 3-2 <laughs> twice at home, and Frankie Evans scored from about two two yards, and uh, Jason Stone got a big goal as well. And then, uh, yeah, so uh, we win it. And, and, and how um, that Thursday night against Manchester, when we won the league title, do, do you guys remember much of it the night afterwards? <laughs> yeah. I remember. I mean, there was there was a lot of pressure on us to win. I think mainly because the Cardiff owners 
Uh, it was the three of them, wasn't it? It was Paul Guy, yeah. Bob Phillips, yeah. David Temme. Uh, they were the drivers behind setting up the, uh, the Super League. Um, so they obviously wanted to be the first to win it. And then we, we actually did it. And uh, the one thing that sticks in my mind, was, I think I mentioned it before, um, we're all down in the dressing room going absolutely nuts. There's beers flying everywhere. Doug McCarthy's brought the cigars out. So everyone's got a big <laughs> cigar and everything. And then Bob comes in late to the party and there's no more beer or champagne left to spray. So he grabs the nearest bottle he can, starts spraying everywhere. And it was a bottle of bleach from the, yeah. uh, the equipment room. And he's, he's playing bleach around the dressing room. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we had the after party at Reds that night, I remember. Remember Frank yeah. walking up to the, to, to the bar up top with the cup, with the trophy and stuff? Yeah. Going up there, we had skates on and everything. We were up there. I think yeah, I got that's right. Yeah, over there. I'll yeah. have to send it to you guys. That somebody Chris, sent it to hey, me. It was pretty neat. Chris Edwards uh, mentioned it the other day, and he sent it to me actually. So we'll we'll get that yeah. on with this episode. So yeah, uh, it was pretty pretty yeah, insane. That's right. Up in our gear in the uh, in the bar. That's right. What a bar that was too. The best. Gretzky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, did you break the trophy as well? I seem to recall watching live on Sky. Was it you that broke the trophy? I don't remember that. Something doesn't mean it didn't happen. Doesn't remember it. I'm just old, man. I don't remember it. It might have happened. The, the statue limits on that one is another 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. I, I, I do remember, Vezzy, do you remember the day when we uh, we celebrated the trophy? So we had the, uh, oh, the, the dinner. We had the open top bus. <laughs> On yeah. the Wales uh, rugby game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. all, all the streets are sh- uh, shut off. We've met down the dressing room. We're, we're all yeah. like dressed up, with, but with our team shirts on. So we've gone down there, and it was like a Saturday morning. Yeah. And we've started sinking the beers back. So we're already <laughs> half cut going on the bus. And then we, we're going on the open top bus through the crowds. And it seemed like they were all out for us. But yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> we all had Wales rugby jerseys, you should have guessed. Yeah. Well, we're, having right. the time, we're having the time of our lives anyway. And then you had Echo One on the bike. Remember Echo? On the bike. He's leaving yeah. the bike and every he kept on turning around to look at the bus. And we're like, no, look where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> he nearly wiped oh. out uh, old Terry there. And uh, and then we get to the Lord Mayor's house and we have dinner with the, the Lord Mayor, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, and I remember, and I, again, I don't know if I've told this story before, but uh, so we're in the Lord Mayor's house. So we got the reception downstairs. So um, a few of the younger guys, we decide to have a like a sneak around the Lord Mayor's house. So, so we're going upstairs and we're having a look through all the rooms. Um, and then we hear someone come up the stairs. And as we look behind, it's shiny going into the bathroom. And yeah. We knew that the key for the bathroom, for some reason, was on the outside. So we locked the door. So we are giggling to ourselves. We've locked shiny in the toilet. So we just we just head downstairs like think it's so funny he's gonna be locked in the bathroom there's no way of getting out and we go downstairs and they're shiny right in the middle of the room and we're like who did we just lock in the bathroom like <laughs> we made a mistake here and uh it was shiny he's like hey guys what's going on like cool as you like and we, we run upstairs we open the thing and there's nobody in there but the window is open Shiny's opened the window, scaled down the drain pipe, <laughs> got back into the, the main room before we even got down the stairs. Well, only Shannon. Yeah. It won't be the first time Shannon's got into trouble in the Lord Mayor's house either with the uh, GB launch. Franny, 
All right, I could be wrong here. Didn't 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 Shannon want to shoot check the Lord Mayor at the dinner? <laughs> <laughs> so so shoot, shoot check was. I think Vez, didn't you bring shoot check in? I think I might have. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. So the shoot and Shannon check, just ran with it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what it was, right? But you're having a team meal, and all of a sudden you hear this: shoot check, shoot check. And like, what's going on? Oh, you got to check your shoes. So you look down on your shoes, and somebody has been under the table with a, a big like knife of butter and white butter on somebody's shoes. <laughs> so you got to check your shoes. <laughs> so, so that was the whole gag. It was shoe check, shoe, and you never knew it happened. You look down and then you got this big lump of butter on your shoes. Sh <laughs> Shannon does it to the Lord Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think using ketchup. I think using ketchup. Uh, and, then, and, and then that night then, um, so we've been drinking since the morning, free beers at the Lord Mayor's reception, yeah. rugby international day. We head into Brannigan's, which was the place to be. And they had yeah. the VIP bar, the library bar down the back. And because of the occasion, they were only letting us down. And also they had the England rugby team down there who were going for drinks and they, they just lost against Wales. Um, so we've gone down there and obviously we're, you know, very much worse for wear. And I was with Waffy, and uh, Waffy being English, um, he goes up and he starts speaking to Will Carlin. Yeah. And uh, he speaks to Will Carlin. Waffy's opening line was something like, hey, how you doing? You know, unlucky today or something. You oh, I'm English. And Will Carlin turned around to him and he went, I don't give a fuck, mate. And, and with that, Waffy's <laughs> eyes just go. So he's grabbed the hold of Will Carlin. <laughs> Like they're, 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 about yeah. to, they're about to fight. So some of their big guys go in. So like, you know, all the, like the big names back in. So they come in. So then he comes flying in. Ivan comes flying in. <laughs> and as Paul Heavey has come in, he's got the biggest, thickest uh, glass ashtray. And he's about, to, he's, a, he's about to tune one of the second rows uh, for England rugby team over the head as the bouncers literally come in and go, no, and everything kind of stopped and it didn't actually kick off, but it was, it was that close to go in like the biggest brawl of all time would have been the Devils versus England rugby team. I can't believe you not told that one before. I know. <laughs> I, know. I just it's, remembered it. <laughs> I was in there hanging on to one of their calves, just trying to get in. <laughs> the guys are massive. Yeah. I'll, I'll never, that was probably the best 24 hours I've ever had. Like yeah. it was, and I remember Heavy hanging off the drapes. Remember the big curtains there, friend? <laughs> the big <laughs> section, and he was climbing the curtains. <laughs> and that's I a, that's play a, for that guy. That's our coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was insane. Wow. Well, I guess after a first season like that, you make your mind up. This is where I'm going to stay for the next <laughs> few years of my life. It's funny because we end up going to. Uh, did we lose in the final four, Franny, on the Saturday? Did we not make it? Yeah, yeah, the semi-final, yeah. Yeah, we lost the semi-final. Yeah. So, uh, do, you, do you remember that nearly kicked off in the in the um, the corridor in Wembley? Yeah, they yeah, they, yeah. they put they put us out the same door, down the same corridor, in the same direction towards the dressing rooms in the, in a playoff semi-final, and it was I think it was uh, I mean Tommy Plummer and Cranston were obviously involved, and I think Shiny was the one that had. They, they, they were kind of squaring up with Tommy Plummer and it was like, if anybody had flinched, the whole thing was going off. Touch paper would yeah. be a little lit. Yeah, that's right, Franny, you're right. Yeah. 
but yeah, you wanted to stay, Vez, I guess, you know, after after that. And oh, I, I want to stay after first night there. <laughs> stay back. I think, uh, yeah, I think, and, and then I end up, uh, I think I, I, I think me and Thorch were up at, I don't know why we were up in Manchester. I don't know if that was a year after. I think I might have signed it. Uh, we were going up for the, to watch the weekend final. I remember, this is a good story, to meet Bob and stuff, and we we're going to sign a contract, me and Thorts. And so uh, we ended up bringing uh, Ruth and Beth up, and we went up to the uh, – yeah, it was the following year, Franny. So we, we didn't make it to the Final Four, but we went up to meet Bob and all that, and we was going to sign like a two-, three-year deal or whatever. And uh, so we went up, and they watched the first game on a Saturday, and the girls go – on Sunday morning, they said, well, we're just going to head back. And we're like, well, you sure you don't remember how to get home? You know, it's like a three-hour drive. And they're like, yeah, no problem. So me and Thor stay up, and we watch the game. And then Sunday, we end up decide we're going to leave. So me and Thor jump in the car. We had this big devil's car with the logos and my name on the side and all that. And we get to the gas station. We go fuel up, and I call back, and I say, yeah, we're leaving now. It's 12 o'clock. Be home at like 3. So Thor calls Beth, and... I call and uh, next thing you know, me and Thorch are driving and we're just shooting the shit. We're talking and it's like three hours of drive. And I'm going, fuck, what, Thorch, when are we ever going to turn right? Like, don't we fucking turn right? <laughs> I know this one. This is and now fucking, me and Thorch, and then there's this white flyer car flying by us with the fucking flags. And me and Thorch are like, what the fuck are they doing in Wales? Like, fucking hockey's over. Like, and they're yelling at us. We were high on the highway. Like, Fuck three hours in, and next thing I look, and there's this fucking mountain. Like, I've never seen a mountain like that. You go, Thorch, there's no fucking mountains in Wales. Like, where are we? Like, Thorch goes, ah, don't worry. We see this sign. And I, we thought it was Penarth, but it was fucking, I don't know, Penwin or whatever. <laughs> Thorch goes, well, we got to pull over. I say, yeah, pull over, Thorch. So we pull over at this gas station. I run in, and I go, dude, I go, we're, I think we're a little lost. I go, so where are you trying to go? Heavy accent. Like, uh, we're trying to get to Cardiff. Cardiff. He goes, dude, you're almost in Scotland. <laughs> oh, three hours the wrong way. <laughs> Look, so I remember getting on the phone saying, now it's three o'clock. I'm going, I'll be home at nine. Like, <laughs> later. So six hours later, me and Torts fuel up at the same gas station in that. <laughs> and the guy's like, did you just fuel up here like three hours ago? <laughs> hours ago. I go, no, it must have been another devil's car. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Look, me and we we recited every dumb and dumber giant there was. Me and Torch, like, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, Vez, you're not the only oh, person man. who's done that. Because Dees has driven us back from Manchester. Me and Hexie fallen asleep, and when we woke up, we we're in Watford Gap Services because he'd forgotten to turn <laughs> off. So we were closer to London. Well, it's well, easy I, done. Manchester's yeah. just a. We just kept driving. It was insane. It was like three hours the wrong way. Yeah. Vez, I, I, not not curtailing it because I know Gaz will go through the years with you, but just on a bigger point, sh should Super League have worked? Because that first year, I just remember it being fantastic hockey, and for the most part, it would, but but obviously the balance wasn't quite right with the the British game and what have you, and then find out. But but as a player in it, did 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 Super League feel like it could be a really big thing? A hundred percent. Like I mean, I remember I remember with the with with uh, Sky Sports, and I remember guys and buddies had Germany and Italy, and they would tune in on Sundays to watch because the coverage was great, like the cameras, everything. It, it was top notch, and it, it was crazy. Like all, oh, it was beautiful. Like the league was just like a hit. Like it was all pretty decent ranks. Like uh, it, it was well run. 
Oh, that is, uh, yeah, to answer your question, 100%. I thought it would be a no-brainer, but... So the bit you talked earlier about the um, the little teams in um, Italy in the towns. I guess yeah. the parallel there, because we had obviously the likes of um, John Hall buying into Newcastle and, and those guys. So you had the arenas, but we still had the smaller rinks, I guess, like the, the Bracknell. So I guess it's a parallel it's, there, and, it, and that's why it probably didn't kick on as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it's a fine it's a fine line when you're trying to get like uh, you know 10 12 teams uh everybody have r- roughly the same budget and stuff it it, it yeah. this is a bigger factor on it not overall so yeah because Basingstoke was a, a a ranked Cardiff Bracknell and then you yeah. have the arenas in you so yeah it's, it's yeah you're right yeah similar similar to what happened in Italy I would imagine it's, yeah, like in Italy, like you take Shimano, you know, they, they're given whatever $3 sponsor to get a little small article in the newspaper. It doesn't really drive when they can sponsor one bike team for a third of the money and they're all over Europe, you know, with, with publicity and stuff. So it's too bad that the Italian League never got to bigger cities or never got a TV contract. I thought the TV contract in Britain would would, would help because of, of attracting sponsors and stuff to subsidize from the smaller rinks and all that, but. I don't know so what happened. Bez, your, your time at the Devils, I associate you with two lines. I associate you with that, that first year with Uchuk and uh, McCarthy. And then when, when Kenny Hodge left after two years, the line I remember you on, you were the, the heir apparent to go there and play with Machulik and Thornton on the, the big <laughs> line. And, and that, that was a pretty, that, that was an, that, it was exciting to watch as a line. What, what, what was it like to play on with those two? That was amazing. Those are like, uh, end up being like two really good friends and, Guys that we still keep in touch with. I mean, Thorpe became one of my best friends. Ivan, Ivan as well. And I got a good story about that. It was like <laughs> Ivan was such such like I mean, Franny can attest this. I don't think I don't think I don't know if there's a a better teammate who cared about everybody than Ivan. Ivan was like a true leader, whereas he was a true leader too. But I, I both a little bit different. Uh, where where Matulik was just all heart and he cared about everybody. And I remember Ivan. He he kind of kind of set me straight and set me. I think you think he helped me he helped me prolong my career. Uh, I came really close with Ivan and 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 our whole line. And I remember me and Torres were like, "Fuck, we never get a pass from Ivan." Like, "Fuck, it's something." <laughs> fucking shoots, man. And it's like, and me and him be yelling at Ivan every shift at the bench. Like, can you not see us? Like, fucking, you know, like we give you seven thousand passes. Can you not give one? Like, fuck. <laughs> and, and then Ivan is so great. He's like, and he's just battling, fighting guys for me and Torres. And we don't even like. We don't even like acknowledge that. We're like, fuck, can you give me a pass. And, and, and then and then one night Ivan goes, fuck, I'm taking you two little monkeys out for dinner. I go, okay. And then he just sat us down and he just started reaming us out. He goes, you know what? I make a lot of room for you guys. You guys don't understand. I don't see the ice like you guys, but you guys don't create space like. And he kind of made me sit there. And I was like 28 years old. I'm sitting there. I'm like, hey, he's fucking right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, Ivan, you don't have to pass anymore. You do what you do. You do what you want. And, it, and it was like it, it took it took Ivan to really like set the scene and say, "Wow, you know, everybody sees the game differently, and everybody brings a different aspect." And I think that's why we always had success because everybody bought into their role and everybody got in. And that's why, like in Cardiff and Franny, could admit uh, before my time or even now with Lorda and all that core guys that stay there, they kind of run it and stuff, and everybody kind of comes in and kind of fills fills the gaps that are left over, but the core guys are the guys that have their, have their, their niche and, and what they bring to the team and everybody respects that and everybody. And I think we've had success because of that. 
And I think Ivan was a huge, huge, huge part of that. So, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was fun playing with those two guys. And, and I guess, um, you know, thanks to Franny and, and Todd and everybody, the Devils win trophies again now. But, uh, you know, I, and I know you won the Challenge Cup in the Elite League era with the Devils, but, but that playoff weekend in 99 was maybe the, the last. We, we weren't expecting it as Devils fans, but, but, but it was the last big one for a while. And that was a, that was a pretty special weekend, beating uh, Manchester in the semifinal 5-1 with Chinny getting the hat trick and, and then yes. uh, Machula getting the two goals in that 2-1 game against Nottingham. That was a, that was a special weekend. Yeah, it was pretty special. I, re- I remember chasing those two goalies around the ice there, Peter Angelo and Robbins, but it was pretty good. But <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was special. That was a special time, especially with the whole venue. And I, I got pictures with the the fan club in the background. It was just, it was, it was surreal. Like it was, it was unbelievable. The venue and everything. The whole weekend was unbelievable. And I think it was like you said, Johnny, it wasn't expected. You know, it's and th- those are championships that are like, they're, they're really sought after, and, and they really mean something. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I tell you, the single greatest game I think I ever played in is that Challenge Cup final in Cardiff. Really? Yeah. But when you take when you take in consideration the scenario, the opponent, the yeah. Franny brought up a few points. I'm gonna let Franny bring him up because I forgot about that. And when you take up the 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 atmosphere, the crowd, the the storyline, yeah, the time the shootout, the it. it if you can get a better, I don't know. Uh, in my time, I'm not saying a Cardiff Dale history, but in my time, my my 18 years of pro hockey, I could say that's probably the best game I've ever not personally played in. But I mean, yeah. I mean, not me. Whereas uh, yeah. the whole atmosphere team was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to we were disappointed in that first game up in Coventry, weren't we? Yeah. You know, yeah. Coventry got the jump on us, and it was just like you, you could just kind of almost see. The, the chance of a trophy and it would have been the first trophy in a while uh, slipping away and you know it was goal after goal and you, I just felt that we were just dropping our heads and it, it, we, we lost it in the first leg and then Darbs has a fight doesn't he yeah. with uh, um, with Graham well, Bielak no Graham Bielak it was Graham was, Bielak yeah, it was, yeah. and uh, it was just out of the blue and Darbs just drops them and Belak's bigger than him, but you can see that Darbs hurt Belak, and I think Belak then hurt his back in the fight and was out for the for the season. But just that, like the bench, all of a sudden came alive. Everybody yeah. had the fire in their belly again, and all of a sudden, you know, because Darbs had stepped up to the plate, everybody else started playing again, and that was the beginning of the of the second leg, wasn't it? Right, right from that moment, and then. That that night, that night in Cardiff was just incredible. From Friday, 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 you got to share what you shared the other day with me. Yeah, I like I mean, first, first of all, yeah. So, so Bob Phillips, who's the owner at the time, he owned nightclubs. So obviously the nightclubs had doormen. So he he gets his biggest, nastiest, horriblest doorman, and he puts them all outside the front of the Wales National Ice Rink. So the country bus turns up, and they're there, you know in really good time so they've got their kit bags off the bus they've unloaded the bus they're about to go through the door bouncers are stood there no i'm like oh no we're here to play the game we've got the final tonight you're not you're not going in (laughs) well well, we got to play the game no you're not going in so they made them stand outside while you know 
the Coventry team are making phone calls. Hey, we can't get in your rink. They're stopping you going. This went on about 20 minutes. So already they're rattled. Uh, they, they go in the dressing room. The heating's cranked up. So Bob is like, Bob is bouncing around the place with all these little things he's done. Um, so the heating's cranked up in their dressing room. Ours is fine. And we're all nice and relaxed. And uh, I think Bob or some, somebody comes in and goes, guys, guys, just, just settle down. Don't, don't get ready yet. Uh, there's going to be a delay. And we're like, yeah. oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There's going to be a delay. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, and they're like, don't worry about anything that happens. You just relax here. You've got, you've got probably another half an hour. So <laughs> yeah. we, we, we think it's like, you know, going to be warm-up time. And Coventry are, are fired up. And you can imagine how much they're pumping themselves up for warm-up. And the minute it was meant to, you were meant to go out for warm-up, the lights go out. The lights go out in the ring. And then, you, and then you hear over the microphone, uh, electrician, please, to the plant room, electrician, please. Uh, so I think Bob had, had called like James Hill from, you know, AMSA to, uh, to go and try and fix it. So we're like, I see what's going on here. So Bob had pulled or somebody from the rink had pulled the fuse unit out, tripped the whole building. Um, sorry, Coventry, there's going to be a, a 20 minute delay. We've got to call engineers out to do this. And after that 20 minutes was over, they just popped the fuse back in and, and, uh, and the power was back on. So uh, we've, we've know this, well, by now we know it's going on. So we've timed it perfectly. So nobody's kind of ready. You know, we were geared up at the right time. And obviously we go out there and, uh, and get off to a good start. And, you know, Rems has the game of his life, but I mean, Vezzi, you, you're a big part of that too. I think you had like three assists in that, uh, that game or something. And, you know, the story, Reggie Stranger, Flying over out of retirement the week before, and yeah, yeah. You know. oh, it was unbelievable. It was that I don't think I've ever been so excited about playing a hockey game. I remember Eddie coming up to us and he put me, G, and Rems together, and he mm. goes, Start and and we're gonna try to win the draw, and we're gonna dump it in. And, and the big G man's just gonna go run people, and and Vez, you're just gonna chirp everybody, and Rempel, you're just gonna pick up whatever's there. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I remember winning the draw, and and Wally gets it. And he get, doesn't get to the red line and he ices it. I'm like, I'm too excited about it. I got the jeep going. It's like, and then, uh, Franny, I don't know if you remember, all the way back, I, I start chirping fucking Klempa, the goalie. Yeah. And, and I, I think I almost tried to fight three guys on this, just on the skate back to the face off. You're, you're, you're bouncing off guys on the way back. I remember. I was fired up and wired. And next thing you know, I get thrown out of the draw and G takes the draw, he wins it. And next thing you know, we rim it and we run this play and Rempel scores like 35 seconds in. And it was just, it just blew off. It was, it was unbelievable. And, and do you remember Rems had been playing horribly up to then? Like Rems, <laughs> Rems was like so messed up in the head. He was always there like four hours for the game, like talking to his sticks and doing all these kind of weird stuff. He was such a confidence player and he'd been terrible. And he, he I think in his mind, he thought he was never going to score another goal in his career. And then he gets that, he gets that goal. And then he was just, he was on. Well, and then, yeah, it was, yeah. like, it was insane. Like you just take the whole storyline and everything, the atmosphere, it was unbelievable. Even and, going back to the, the shootout, I remember that that year um, Coventry had gone with a different stick manufacturer. I forget which, which ones it was, but they good one, Freddie. They, they, they thought they'd found a deal on these sticks because sticks, <laughs> yeah. sticks were going up in price. They were mega expensive. It's the, the biggest single cost for the teams, you know, uh, away from wages. And, uh, Coventry have got this deal with a stick manufacturer and they're getting them like half price for everyone. And they think that you know, the half price compared to every other stick. And they think that, you know, they've got themselves a good deal. And if you remember in the shootout, 
Barry Moore, who's a great player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes down and he takes a shot and it literally snaps right in the middle. Maybe, maybe that was Bob with a hacksaw. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah, it might have been. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, I think he was in a good position to score. And you just kind of, you're feeling on the bench. This is going to be it. This is where they're going to, you know, uh, break our hearts. And he just pulls the trigger and it snapped. Like sticks never snap like that in the middle. Uh, and it just, yeah. it went. And uh, that was a sign. Yeah, yeah, that was a sign. And then Reggie steps up and smooth as you like, cool as you like. And uh, wow, what yeah. a celebration. And that was another best ever night, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, that was pretty yeah. good. I mean, we, we, we took the, the trophy was up in the bar. And then after a while, all the guys have said, you know, it's been unbelievable celebrating with our fans, but let's celebrate as a team. So we stole the cup off the bar. We snuck out the bar. Um, Vatha has gone en route his, his apartment was just off Chippy Lane uh, if you remember that place yeah he's yeah. gone in there and he's put, he's put the pimp suit on which is like an albino zebra suit furry yeah. it's disgusting so he's got that on and we go to um, soda bar like down in the thing so we've got the cup sitting on the bar and we're all in there just all the guys having a great time and then I remember later that night that uh, we're on Chippy Lane with the cup and the cup's filled with chips, cheese and gravy. (laughs) (laughs) Chips, cheese and gravy out of the Challenge Cup. And then we had a game the next day. Yeah, Edinburgh. Edinburgh 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 away. Yeah, not sure how that went. Yeah, it wasn't too good. It wasn't too good. No, it wasn't too good. And uh, yeah, I remember like, I think maybe we even had a couple of beers at the airport on the way up there. And, uh, you know, nobody really cared. And, you know, I, I wasn't playing that much as, you know, as my spot as a sort of 10, 10 forward. But that night I got to play loads because, you know, you want, I think Reggie sat out the game. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, with the worst <laughs> over ever, right? I had probably the most ice time I had that year. Yeah. Bez, when you, when you won the cup that night, did you, did you think, did you already have planned that was going to be your last season in Cardiff? Yeah, I th- I, I, yeah, yeah. I had to. I had my testimonial the week after, I think. Yeah, and uh, that was that was a pretty special evening. And yeah, I think so, John. I think that was it. And then uh, I think at the end of the year, Eddie asked me to come back, and and uh, yeah, ended up coming back after that. And uh, but yeah, John, I think that was. Uh, I, I thought that was going to be it, and uh, I think that that game kind of sparked everything. And that testimonial night was unbelievable, and the, the way the year ended was great. So. I was happy to come back, though. Sorry, Gaz, I probably jumped ahead because there was time for nights <laughs> and stuff you wanted to cover. And No, there's one thing I do want to convey because you mentioned it a bit earlier on um, about that first year where the Elite League formed and all you guys came back and the way you said the social media kind of affected guys like Ivan that year. Um I kind of, as a fan, I remember the, the forum being quite a big thing that year and, and things kind of did leak out that it, it did affect the guys. Just as an athlete, how did, it, how did it change the dynamics for you as an athlete now having this kind of instant feedback from, you know, a kind of faceless crowd, not, not the, the guys in the bar, but you kind of, you know, non-diehard fans and things. That, what, what did it affect? I, I think Ivan, I think it affected, I'm not sure if it, I think it affected Ivan a bit, but I think it affected Ivan as far as the whole team and everything. And you think he was like a, he was almost like, like I said, he, he had a huge heart. He cared about everybody. And 
and he didn't take, uh, you know, reading words about guys not performing, coming from anonymous people. Like I'd rather somebody step up and say, hey, you know what, Sacratina, you suck. And because of this, 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 okay. You know, I, I can live with that, but I think Ivan reading and not only Ivan, but I think it affected a few other guys. Uh, I think it's just human nature when you start reading stuff and how people perceive you or see you and stuff. And you don't take for, you don't, you don't sit back and think of, well, who's writing it, you know, and, and where it's coming from, but more where it hits home and it kind of affects guys. And I think, I think it really, if Ivan sat beside me in the locker room and it affected him, not so much for him, but for other guys on our team and stuff. So, uh, yeah, that social media is tough. It's like, everybody's got to say, uh, and, and that's okay. It's like playing for the Montreal Canadiens here. You're, you're coaching, but you got 18,000 other assistant coaches. <laughs> it's like, so, and I think I always go back to what Jim Corsia told me. And, and I always stuck with that through my whole career and, you know, good or bad, you, you read stuff in the paper or you hear stuff on a forum and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, you got to digest it and, and take what's real and take what's not, but it, it affects guys. I'm, I'm not going to kid you. I'm sure now, with uh, with the social media now, it, it, it even it must play a huger factor in it. Uh, I'm sure for some guys. Yeah, it's de definitely uh, another level now, isn't it? With the you know everything's on social media now, and you know particularly at the moment it's getting particularly nasty. I don't know if it's that's the effect of lockdown and frustration and stuff yeah. like that, but it's uh, yeah, it, it's definitely got out of control and needs something needs doing about that. Um, Look, Franny, stop abusing me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Put together a decent interview and I'll stop. I <laughs> <laughs> no no just kid. So yeah, on a, on a lighter note, I do have a Vezzi story from that year, the, the start of the Super League year, the 0304 year. Um, we were down in Lee Valley playing against the London Racers, so Maxley's London Racers, and uh, it was the lockout year. Yeah. So uh, Eric Cairns was there. Eric Cairns, Scott Nickel. Um, and I, I would say, do you remember this, Vez? But you probably don't with what I'm going to say. So something happens and, you know, obviously Vez is like a feisty player and a chirpy player and Cairns loses his shit and ends up just like suckering you and you go down the floor and he's just raining haymakers down on your head. And, like, oh. and it's like, who's going to stop this guy? You know, the guy's six, foot six and just like an animal. Um, anyway, so Vez took a couple of heavy ones in the head and uh, the highlight of going to Lee Valley to play the races was that they just opened the first, um, not Dunkin' Donuts, what it, Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. Krispy, yeah. yeah. First, first Krispy Kreme Donuts. And it was like a, it was like a drive-through. So like, we didn't know what Krispy Kreme was, but all the Canadian guys did. So like, we have to stop at the Krispy Kreme. So we stopped there on the way and then somebody goes and gets like the tray with all the different ones. And like, yeah, you have to, you have to try these, you have to try these. And yeah, you know, amazing donuts. So then Vezzi goes to me, um, Fran, you know, the best thing about these donuts is uh, you can leave them a couple of days. If you've got a couple of spare over four seconds in the microwave, they're as good, <laughs> as, they're, they're as, good as new. And I was like, all oh, right. Okay. Okay. And then, so I have my donut and then uh, and Vezzi's like, how's your donut friend? I was like, yeah, good. He goes, you know, the best thing about these, if they go stale, if they go stale in a couple of days, in the microwave, four seconds, they're as good as new. I was like, oh, okay. I've heard that. and yeah. I probably had that every minute all the way back from from outskirts of London to Cardiff. About so I've never I've never forgot that if I ever got leftover Krispy Kreme donuts, four seconds in the microwave, good as new. Thanks, thanks, Randy. I've been hitting the head a couple of times. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. 
So, Bez, you, you're unquestionable. You're you're a devil's legend. You're an absolute devil's legend. You've got one blot on your copybook. You signed for Sheffield. Yeah, that was a. I made phone calls before, John. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that that whole story is funny because when I retired, we came back and and then uh, Luz got pregnant and we uh, we had to pay for the birth here. And uh, we were married and everything. And it's like, Cordy. And it was like, we had to get like, and, and so Ruth didn't feel comfortable like having a baby here if something happened, whatever. So, so I remember calling and uh, go back to Cardiff and they're there. It was late, like a September. And then Mo Mancy ended up getting a job in Torino. And uh, so he goes, well, why don't you come play in a second division? He goes, and uh, anyways, so we had to go back to Europe just for the baby. So I said, I might as well go back and play. And, I think our, our, our season ended like March. And I remember Matzos called me and, and says, Hey, would you come back? And I said, well, Sheffield. I'm like, Oh my God. So I ended up calling, I think Carl and yeah. <laughs> I go, you think I can play in Sheffield? <laughs> yeah. Anybody, but I, I got to come back. And it's like, and it, it was, and I don't know if you remember what I played one game in that, in the tent. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It was the oddest thing ever. I just wanted that game to end. I was hoping for no whistles and let's get out of here. <laughs> was it strange? Because I, I guess when you were with London Knights, you didn't have to play against the Devils because we'd obviously fallen down the league. So you, you are an emotional guy and, and the way you bonded with the city and the team was, was something else. How, how, how emotional was that night? Anyway, it was, it was tough. It was a tough night. Like uh, it, it's tough to explain, like to be on the other side and, especially have a rivalry team and, and, and looking up at, at supporters that became like close, close friends and everybody's wearing a devil's Jersey. And you look down, you've got an orange Jersey on it. it, it well, and, and then you saw Vosser skating around the other side. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this little tent where there's nowhere to hide. Like, Whoa. yeah. But, uh, yeah. And I know, I know Hilly, uh, Felhel wouldn't let me, um, wouldn't forgive me if I didn't mention your, the guy you brought with you, Aggie. You oh. brought, over, you brought over your, your buddy from Italy, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. well, Mastel's calling. He goes, we need another guy. Goes, well, there's only one other import guy that can come. And he said, yeah, bring him. And he didn't pan out too well. <laughs> like, yeah. And we, uh, we can't have the, the Vezio Sacratini edition without talking about the, the biggest and best thing that happened to you in Cardiff, Vez. You, uh, you met Ruth. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I remember. I remember being on on that bench where I was quite a lot, and uh, Vezzy right in the middle of the game. He goes, there she is, friend. There she is. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ruth used to sit diagonally opposite on the on the end seat. He goes, "That's that's Ruth. That's that's my uh, that's my new girl," and there she was. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a small world, man. No, Cardiff was uh, brought a lot to my life, so. Uh, very, very fortunate, very lucky to have gone, gotten to Cardiff and uh, the people there and uh, the supporters and the whole, the whole, oh, my whole time there was, it was incredible. It was like a dream come true. It was like, uh, it was special. As I say, that you've got a beautiful, um, you've got a beautiful family and, and I never want to overlook your daughter, but the, in, in terms of hockey, uh, Sacratini Jr. is doing pretty well for himself, didn't he? Yeah, he's doing well. I'm proud of the kid. He's, uh, He's coming into his home. He's, uh, every year he's, he's, he's getting better and better. And uh, to be honest, I think he's got more skill than I did, and more speed. And uh, I think 
I try to get him as, as finally we got to get his passport, buddy. It's like yeah, we're not getting him a UK. We're not getting him a UK passport. We're getting him a Welsh passport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Friday, the funny part, he's only got a Welsh passport. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like he was born, he was, hadn't seen snow or spoke. I heard French for eight years. Like, <laughs> but uh, no, he's uh, he's, uh, he's doing well. He just committed to a university, and uh, and so he'll be going there in two years. So he's got another year of junior, and then he'll be going there. So one day he's gonna wear that twenty-eight devil shirt. I, uh, it, it would be pretty cool. <laughs> I'd be there. I'll be there. I'll be there rooting. Excellent. Well, Bez, you. I always remember growing up, people who always maybe caught one or two Devils games always came away from it and would always say to me, oh, that Sacratini guy was entertaining. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you always, some, it's either you or Mike Way, I think, would be the two guys that a, a new fan would would always come away with a few stories before we go we haven't really touched on your chirping which has always been something you could always visibly see do you have a favorite one whether it be against a theo fleury who <laughs> got that or do you have a favorite perler that you ever threw at anyone well i don't know if i got a favorite i i think it just just instincts i think it just i think <laughs> touched on it at the beginning i think uh, i was the kind of person that I do any I do anything I do anything to get an edge uh, I do anything for our team to win and uh, at times I, I think I did it more for me to be more involved in the game I thought I thought if I just sat there and just went through the game I wasn't emotionally in it as much as if I had somebody trying to kill me or if I wasn't tripping or yelling at somebody or or, or trying to get a, an upper edge on somebody just because of uh, of a little chirping or a little a little bit of words and stuff so yeah, I played it a bit different in the game, and I, I played a little bit on the edge. And I think, uh, I think I brought a little element to my game uh, that made me better. I think it brought me into more games, being more involved in games and stuff. So, and uh, I, I maybe maybe Wersey and Ivan and those guys that had to fight, maybe they won't like it too. <laughs> <laughs> but I got I got to share one story, and finally you'll laugh at this one, and then. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but I did have one fight, or if you want to call it a fight, but well, not really a fight. But we were losing up in Sheffield five five nothing one, and we were just getting reamed out after a period. And I'm sitting there in my stall, and I'm going, "Fuck, I'm gonna fight somebody. This is it. Like I'm gonna like." And uh, can't remember the guy's name now. Mark the fair, Mark, the one we talked about oh, yeah, earlier. Yeah. And he he had speared me or stuck me or hit me hard, and I said, and they went up, and and I just dropped my gloves, and I. Start, I didn't even know what I was doing. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm in there, and next thing you know, I'm on the bus. And I remember McWilliams, and we had lost, like, I don't know, 5 nothing. So nobody was, no cars, no nothing. It was just, like, everybody sitting in their seats. And I remember McWilliams coming to sit beside me. And he looks at me, and I'm like, all right, he's going to give me, like, a little pep talk and say, good job. And he's like, you ever do that again, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> sitting there okay Mike Mike what do you mean <laughs> and he, he's going Bez, don't ever do that you embarrass me he goes that's my job I go you just score goals and you do whatever you do and you leave that shit to me you <laughs> what you're doing and I said McCoy I'll give you my word nobody ever again unfortunately for you Bez it's on video yeah. the whole incident because oh, it starts it? Yeah. with um, I think it's Cranston and Plummer behind the net 
Um, right. And then it moves out out from there. But I'll share it with you later. All right. Uh, I remember McWilliam giving it to me. I got, a, I got a few McWilliam stories if you want. Go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Go. I, I got I to share one. And he's going to kill me, but I got to share it. <laughs> Barney, were you there with the Hoffman scenario? I don't know. You, you, See, do you remember we went, up to, we went up to air, Franny? And, uh, I remember they used to fight all the time. Yeah. Well, well the, so we got up to air on a Saturday night. And uh, Hoffman fights McWilliams, like, and uh, I didn't think nothing of it. And it's like, and then we get in the bus and, and Mike is like different person when he had his equipment on, but with his stuff off, he was like subdued gentleman, like nice. Like he just didn't talk all the way home, like zero. And I remember going on Sunday, we played air back to back. And I remember going, I used to go to rink like three hours before. I get there and we're, and McWilliams sitting in a stall, like fully dressed. And, and Taft goes, uh, McWilliams is here. He was like, he didn't, like, he's not talking to me. I go, I go in like, oh, jumpy, happy. Hey. <laughs> Nothing, like zero, like just. And so anyways, we all get dressed and we go to warm up and McWilliams sitting there. Nothing, zero. So warm up, he doesn't even come out and now, Coach comes in, starting lineup, Thornton, Sacratini, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And McWilliams all of a sudden pops up and he goes, Thornton, he goes, if Hoffman's on the ice, you come off. And I'm going on and I'm fighting him. And I'm going to fight him until he stops dressing. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> so I remember the puck drops and Hoffman's there and he's yelling. Thornton goes off because he didn't want to fight him at the end of his shift. He's like, I got to fight him at the beginning. He comes on, he fights them. They go off. I think he fights them again. I think he's thrown out. And after the game, I'm like, okay, we're going to talk now or what? Like, fuck, yeah. I feed you like 18 times a week. Like, fuck. So, like, he goes, Vezzy, nobody fights me. He goes, I decide who do I fight. I go, that guy fought me. I'm going to fight now until he stops dressing. So, I feel like. (laughs) So, two games later, Hoffman, healthy scratch. It's like. I don't know if you remember that, Franny, but that Williams was something special, man. He was like, he was unbelievable. But uh, but I got another one for him, too. I don't know if you remember, Franny. We both had uh, hernia operations at the end of the year. So we go in the boot, but together, like me and McWilliams. So one guy, like, five foot nothing. The other guy, six foot nine. Monster. <laughs> sitting there. And I've already had one. I've had one two years ago. It's, it's not a big deal. I'm telling him, listen. It's fucking, it's, it's nothing, you know? So we're sitting there in the room and we both got operated and we're sitting in the same room and he's hitting the button for painkillers. And the girl comes and she gives him like, I don't know, 19 painkillers. And and then she he's hitting the button and she comes and, and McWilliams like, and she cuts him off. Like, you you can't, you can't get no more painkillers. And he starts looking at me and he goes, that guy. And he goes, well, that guy hasn't had any. So he goes, what do you mean he's had none? She goes, You've taken your limit. He goes, well, I don't have to pass the driving test tomorrow. I need more. Like, so the girl leaves and he grabs my butt and he starts hitting it. And I'm going, what are you doing? He goes, you get your painkillers and give them to me. <laughs> so so all of a sudden I'm hitting it and he's hitting my butt and the girl comes around. And I go, yeah, I'm in pain. I need painkillers. She goes, no, you don't. I go, yeah, I need them. So I'm like, and she's sitting there watching me. So I'm putting them in my mouth, but not swallowing them. McWilliams still takes them. <laughs> <It's> like, 
And so he, and we end up getting cut off like three or two days and there are no more painkillers. We didn't see any nurses. They were like, my <laughs> put a long letter to the doctor saying, this is 2000. I shouldn't feel any pain. He goes, you got a little guy that fucking get the same dosage. And I'm like, I never took a pill, buddy. It's like, a, <laughs> as tough as he was, he wasn't so tough, <laughs> but don't tell him. No, don't tell him. He won't listen. Hey, Pez, we had a request last night from Chris Edwards to know if you had any Bergie stories. Bergie stories. I'm not sure if that, that preempts anything. Yeah, they might, might, might spark a couple. Yeah, I, I was, I was telling, uh, I was telling, I always remember we went down to the the rink in the Wales National Ice Rink, and you got the the balcony. So we didn't have a game on that Sunday and the, uh, the ENL team or whatever it was at the time, they had a game. So we're up on the balcony watching, having a couple of beers and Bergie's got his phone and he's texting and he, uh, he turns around and he bangs his arm off someone. His phone goes flat, flipping up in the air. He goes to grab it and all he does is palm it over the balcony <laughs> and it lands and just smashes it into a hundred pieces. And that, that's only, only Bergie could do something like that. Oh, only Bergie. What, what was the red wine one? Do you remember? No, that was the best. That was one of my stories. So Russ Romanuk has a little a little get-together party at his house. And he's got this little flat. And there's this like little bathroom, like a powder room bathroom with just a toilet and a sink and stuff. So all of a sudden, Bergie's in there. And next thing you know, he comes out. And he's like, oh, my God. He goes, well, fuck, Bergie, what you do? don't go in there i'm like fuck man like so russ goes running in there and i swear there's four walls i think there's wine on every inch of it right <laughs> so russ being russ and russ very anal he's like Bergie, how the fuck like wow well, what, what you do he goes well i put my my glass wine on top of the toilet there in the top part of it and he goes how to take a leak and but but russ goes but it was like like slope like this how do you how do you put your wine so brick of white placed it and then it started sliding so i just let it go because i was taking it and it landed like straight on and it blew up <laughs> <laughs> they had to repaint the whole bathroom like one glass of wine burning like it, you couldn't go in there with a gun and spray it you <laughs> it, was like, it, it was insane things only burger could do oh, oh but but the best is we go play golf one day and me and russ russ uh i pick up russ and uh, so we go to go get Bergie and he's in Windsor Key. And there's like these speed bumps to get to his house. So we get in and Bergie comes flying down. He's got a mug of coffee in his, in his hand, like a mug, like not a traveler mug, just a mug. Us <laughs> being Roscoe's, Bergie, what are you doing? I'm having coffee. Like, well, I can't have coffee. And <laughs> but Roscoe's, we're going to in the car, buddy. Like, he goes, and I can't drink. So I get, I get, when I drop my, I throw my coffee out, I have this traveler mug. And I dump his coffee and I put the mug on. And I say, here, Bergie, have your coffee, buddy, and get in the backseat. So we get, we get out of the, the, out of his, the driveway, whatever. And we go over these two little speed bumps and we get out and Russ nudges me. And he goes, look at Bergie. So I look back and Bergie's like half asleep. He's got a coffee mug on his thing. He's got this huge coffee stain <laughs> on his shirt. And I got a traveler mug. <laughs> and Russ nudges him and he's going, Look at you, you idiot. He goes, oh, it's a little bit of coffee. And he's like, only Bergie. <laughs> oh, it's priceless. Those two, those two were like unbelievable. I think Bergie used to do it on purpose just to bug Russ. 
Uh, he's yeah, very, very hard to gold, man. That guy, he gave you 160,000% every time. He was unbelievable. He was a great teammate. Well, it's, uh, I think we've, you know, come to a, a natural pause. Like John said, I think we will have to get a second part in with you uh, along the way. But just uh, as we've been talking tonight, and uh, you can see the, the, the spark in your, your voice and your eyes as you talked about your time in Devil's Colours, uh, it's been very special talking to you, sir, and I hope that we've uh, managed to bring back a few good memories for you. I, I appreciate you guys having me on there. It's 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 special. It's special to come back and talk about good old days, and especially with a teammate like Franny and and uh, friends I made there. Uh, all you guys were special, and uh, it was a big part of my life. So thank you for having me. No, no thank you, sir. Thank you for all the memories that you've given uh, us and all the Devil fans. Uh, or in a devil shirt, and I'm sure this will be a big hit with them. And yeah. uh, we will catch you again soon. Yeah, let's hope this COVID thing ends soon. I'll be back there for a game, so it'll be awesome. So there you have it. Some absolutely amazing stories from one of the most special players to ever play in the Cardiff Devils uniform. That was Betu Sagatinian. Guys, uh, I just thought it was great that as soon as we got to the Cardiff section of our interview, they just seem to come alive. Yeah, it's uh, it's obvious what a, a special uh, place Cardiff has in Vez's heart, and uh, I know that because I still get message from him when we have big games. You know, he's they, I, I'm there watching. I'm over here watching, and uh, you know, make sure the guys do this. We want to bring more trophies to Cardiff, and you know, he's still a huge Devils fan, and uh, I think that really comes across in the interview. John, you kind of alluded to it. It'd be some special story if uh, the younger Sacratini was ever to make his way to Cardiff. Uh, absolutely, and um, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a pipe dream. What I've what I've seen from from Jake, he's he's a good player. Uh, scored some nice goals that Vez uh, sends over on WhatsApp. Always great to see. Of course, uh, born in Cardiff, so yeah, we 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 we're keeping an eye on him. But uh, to, to speak to Vez is is always. Uh, it's not just an honor. It's always entertaining. You know, you always come out of it feeling better. You feel come out of it feeling happy. You feel come out of it having a laugh. And uh, you just think if, if there hadn't been those financial problems at the end of Super League, he, he would have spent more time in Cardiff. You know, he was he was almost forced to to, to move away. So he would have put up more games and, 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 and more goals. And um, yeah, right from the moment that, that, you know, Franny picked him up at the airport and right from the moment that I first saw him when he came on the ice in the limo and, and played with Glenn Anderson and Franny that night and then <laughs> he won the first Super League trophy and, and he was, Gaz, I, I think you referenced it near the end of the episode or near the end of the interview. Um, you could go to a Devils game and always knew with Vezio Sacratini on the ice you were, you were going to be entertained, whether that be by skill or, or him sort of upping the intensity um, and yeah, you know, uh, he, he, his shirt isn't in the rafters, but he's one of those guys, if we get the the hockey, uh, Devils Hockey Hall of Fame off the ground, which I know Hubs has, has championed uh, with Franny for a long time, Fezio Sacratini would certainly be in there. Yeah, and just going quickly on to the Jake Sacratini point, just in case there is any management from other UK hockey clubs, uh, a, li a little known fact is that we um, signed up to the rights for Jake Sacratini when he was six years old and in Cardiff. So uh, uh, it's, yeah, we, we got first dibs. <laughs> but it, it, when Ben was talking, it, it did 
kind of bring my mind back to when I used to watch Bears play. And it's pretty unusual for a, a guy of of his physical stature. He was a, a smaller guy in hockey terms to always be make his presence known. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? His personality yeah. seemed to shine through. You know, obviously, some guys have got big shoulders, they're taller than everyone else, but to get the attention of an ordinary fan in the way he did while he was playing just goes to show how influential he must have been at that ice level as well. Yeah, I mean, you see those players, don't you? The ones that the opposition fans just absolutely can't stand, but you love to have in your team. And Vez is definitely, you know, top of that category. Um, you know, he, he said himself that with the talking to the, that McWilliam gave to him, uh, Vez was such an important player and a big player. And, you know, he led the charge on so many occasions that the tough guys didn't mind getting into to a few scraps for him. But what he did well is where he backed himself is most of his chirping was done on the face-off dot. Yeah. So he, go, he goes into that face-off. And, and Vez said it was his way of firing himself up to get that to get himself in the game but he backed himself up he didn't lose any of those face-offs where he's chirped the opposition and where he's got in their face so he's gone in there he's in their heads already then he wins the face-off straight away he's got an advantage for his team and i was privileged to have front row seats for a lot of those (laughs) (laughs) and i wish i could just remember some of them because he had all the tricks in, in the spot and it's we didn't touch on it in the interview but something um, our incoming coach said last week about being a specialist in face-offs he had that that knack of his friends saying something would just put the other sentiment off the puck would drop and he'd win it because he's that step ahead um or was it a little stick in the shins or something but he knew and then getting possession of the puck for the team and then also riling that he may win the face-off and then the opposition centre might slash him or something and draw a retaliation penalty. It was an art form, and he was one of the, the really first to actually nail that. Yeah. But my, 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 my main concern coming out of this is, you know, for all his hockey career, he's now a sales rep. I'm a sales rep. I do a lot of Zoom calls now. How he makes any sales without dropping the F-bomb in, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a ridiculous amount. All, all, all in the right places, all called for and all adding to the entertainment. But, uh, yeah, how, how does that guy do a Zoom meeting? As <laughs> I don't know. He yeah. almost made it an art form. <laughs> yeah. Some um, sentences I thought he can't throw it in here. And he did. I, I, I think I might throw my first F bomb. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was contagious. Was that after an adjective at times? Was that after we 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 couldn't actually um, get any further on the Beavis situation when he said no, he can't remember names. Oh. Uh, no, that was, that was a one punch. Uh, oh, one punch. That's one, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Elusive one punch. We know Beavis. We know it's. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I keep calling him. I think Mario Swabenko, but I think it's Marco Swabenko. No, it is Mario. Um, it's Mario's I Mario. Okay. I Mario. I, and I keep calling him Marco. I keep calling him Marco. Like I said. Um, but we He's still don't know. Marco to Beavis, to be fair. But... <laughs> so, so we did so, was it a Marco Paulson, JD? No, no, no. He was, no, he was he after. Said, no. He was after the one punch. He was a Canadian with an Italian. Sorry, no, he wasn't Italian. Canadian with an Irish passport, which is why he was going to come over. And I will confess to filtering on on elite prospects every player with an irish passport 
and I still didn't come up with him. He's six foot six. He's got an Irish passport. How many hockey players are there? Six foot six with an Irish passport. And he was still better than Robert Millay. <laughs> <laughs> um, he can do Russian kills. Hashtag who is one punch. Maybe we'll never know. The pool of people who would know is growing shorter by the episode. Yeah. Uh, It'll be Glenn Anderson. Glenn Anderson. <laughs> <on that. laughs> no, it's, it's, I, t- I tell you who knows. Just depend, I, I don't care what what's-his-name says it in Sheffield. Ken Priestley knows. Yeah. One punches. <laughs> he, was, he was his effective agent, even though he supposedly denied it. But You've been waiting 12 agent. months to drop that joke in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, Ken Priestley knows, and uh, he's, just, he's just totally denying all knowledge of it. He's washed his hands of one punch. We haven't. Understandably. but uh, There'll be other team members of that team that we cross paths with on this podcast, I'm sure. And uh, someone will break his mystery. Who had the hotel room in list? Someone must have that. <laughs> Is Frenchy around in those days? Yeah. That could be the one. This is why we bring producer Hubs in. He's now giving us a new, a new lead. If you know who One Punch is, please tweet us at BTP Franny and uh, we'll uh, bring you on the show and you can tell us how you know. Maybe you are One Punch. Maybe someone has brought your, your attention to this podcast while we slagged you off for the last 18 months. You yeah. maybe want your writer for play. Or even Fine. even if you even if you've ever played against a guy that didn't tie a skater, <laughs> because there can't be many that have done that. But there's a have. few of those in rack hockey I know of who did it for warm ups oh, or laps I, and stuff. I I wouldn't put one punch even in a rack yeah, hockey yeah. Uh, league to be honest. <laughs> wouldn't you fit it with a Cardiff Rage in some fashion? He seems like one punch. Yeah, he seems like the kind of you know no, crazy. Don't don't bring the Cardiff Rage down by. <laughs> that level no no he, he he was flown he was flown in on the recommendation of ken Priestley, flown into france he might have actually paid his own flight i'm not sure he flew into france we might have brought him back to cardiff with us when we played that uh game against the german team but i don't think that he dressed i think his only time that he dressed was in the two games in in france where he got into the fight and um uh, the the opposition guy fell over the stick and then he came to the bench and did the famous one punch. That's all it took, uh, and uh, and that's uh, that's the last that he ever played. And he was quickly on a plane home when it turned out it wasn't the uh, the diamond in the rough that Ken Priestley was trying to sell us. <laughs> Going back to Vez again, what a great conversation! As you say, it's just like talking to a, a really really good friend and just so natural in in the way of the conversation and and so uh yeah what what again legend as jd alluded to earlier we don't have we have obviously the the jerseys in in the shirt and uh the jerseys in the um in the ceiling hanging from the rafters but hall of fame however we can do that we still really want to do that is a shoe in absolute shoe in for that or is it not just a shoe check it's a shoe check shoe for check. that. <laughs> it's a shoe check for that, without any doubt. Bonafide first ballot, no question. Just after Rick Brabant. Uh, no, because <laughs> I'll be in, hopefully be involved, JD. <laughs> uh, there's a debate to be had. Well, guys, that was <laughs> that was fun. Let's do it again. Um, we haven't nailed down who's going to be next, but. 
there's plenty of candidates. We'll find someone to come and join us behind the bench. So on behalf of myself, Gareth Hewish, uh, thank you very much, John Donovan. Thank you, everyone. A, a very pleasant evening as always. <laughs> thank you very much, Neil Francis. Yeah, enjoyable again. It's uh, it's definitely lighting the fire for, for hockey and uh, let's hope it's not too far away. Not too far away at all. Which just leads me to say, producer Hubs, can you cue Brass Bonanza, please? <laughs>